You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, Jedi Fallen Order, and all the other awesome, exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. And this, my friends, is where the fun begins. We are right on the cusp of a whole lot of Star Wars stuff hitting us fast and hard for the rest of the year. Uh, So can't wait to dive in and talk about all of it with you. Um, And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up? I mean, you said it best, Kyle. This is where the fun begins. We're in October now, and it's just going to be an onslaught of Star Wars goodness coming our way starting this month. And it's going to be happening just in a couple of days pretty soon with Triple Force Friday right around the corner. So, yeah, it's going to be amazing with all the stuff coming leading up to the Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think this is going to be the last quiet period of Star Wars and pretty much after this, these next couple of days, we're recording this on a yep. Tuesday or excuse me, Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday. So today and tomorrow are probably, probably going to be the last days of quiet Star Wars. And once force Friday hits, I think they're just, it's going to be kind of hit here. Cause remember, we're not just promoting a movie, which again would be getting hit all with all kinds of stuff, but they're also promoting the new TV show. That's going to be the first ever live action Star Wars, you know, ongoing TV uh, TV show. You have a brand new big video game coming out. So obviously, every, Star Wars is going to be hitting us over the head with tons and tons of content, whether it be advertising or pushing the video game, the TV series or the movie. So get ready because Triple Force Friday is just the beginning of probably an never-ending slew of star wars stuff pretty much from now i would say because you think of this this will carry us to through february which will then the new clone wars hits yeah. then after new clone wars then after new clone wars hits we've got the rise of skywalker 4k release probably and then after that you'll probably have you know all the news and announcements between now and then and then right after pretty much right after the rise of skywalker comes out you have celebration a few months away that's so, true I mean, so think about this, people. This is the last, if you've been wondering, why has it been so quiet? Well, it's not going to be quiet anymore. Pretty much in the next week, it's going to start, and you're not going to stop until probably a little bit between... Uh, Rise of Skywalker 4K, you know, home video release and celebration. But 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 by then, there's going to be way ways, 
announcements and, and news and reveals and things like that between those months and everything, it's going to be insane. So get ready because Star Wars is about to blitz us like, yeah. a, like a football blitz. Like, like, hold on, football blitz, like, you know, straight up the middle, like all out blitz. Right, Kyle? Yeah. All out blitz. Football fan, right? Yeah, yeah. I know what a blitz is. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just being ridiculous. I'm sorry. Um, because he knows I'm the ignorant one when it comes to football. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Trying, exactly. So I was trying to, I'm trying to get Tim like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Tim, it's um, like, it's like a, a fastball, a Randy Johnson fastball down the middle. Yeah. It, uh, imagine, imagine, uh, you know, five guys all weighing 230 pounds and they all jump on you at once. It's that much Star Wars goodness that's about to be hitting us. Exactly. Um, exactly. Because, yeah, like you said, Paul, I mean, there might be a, a – there probably will be a bit of a lull next summer before Celebration. But, I mean, here's what we're about to jump into. First of all, one of the things we're going to be talking about today, and uh, and we'll we'll just get into it in a minute here uh, and, and shut up about, you know – next year and next summer and whatever but uh we're going to be talking about some articles and images and stuff from the next issue of empire magazine that's about to come out um and you know their cover issue or the, their cover story for october is the rise of skywalker um and we've gotten some preview stuff so far but there might still be more stuff in the actual issue when it comes out um and that drops tomorrow um and I kind of wanted to wait and see, but this was like the best day that we could record this week. And there's already a bunch of other stuff to talk about. So so we're going to talk about everything that's come out so far. But we might get some new Episode Nine like images and stuff tomorrow when that episode drops, which will probably, you know, if that happens, it'll already be out by the time you guys are listening to this episode. Uh, then the day after that is Triple Force Friday, where all the stuff goes on sale. Then Sunday is the premiere of Star Wars Resistance Season 2. Then with sometime within the next week, two weeks after that, we're probably going to get the final trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and, you know, we're just going to be watching that on a loop for all the rest of October. And you know us, we're going to come with a massive review episode talking about all the, the stuff that they're teasing us with in there. Um, and between that and weekly episodes of Resistance, I mean, that's pretty much going to hold us over into November and then November 12th, we get Disney Plus with The Mandalorian. Three days later, we get Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and then we'll be getting weekly episodes of The Mandalorian, along with, you know, still weekly episodes of Resistance leading us right into December. Um, not to mention the stuff that, you know, some of like the journey to the Rise of Skywalker stuff coming out, like the, uh, yeah. the Resistance Reborn novel, the Knights of Ren comic and all that kind of stuff that'll be uh, coming out along the way. And before you know it, we'll be in December and Rise of Skywalker will be coming out. Uh, and then by the time we've all seen that multiple times in the theaters and the hype has all died down from that, yeah, we'll be crawling into February of next year when The Clone Wars is coming out. So, um, yeah, tons of Star Wars goodness on the way. Uh, and it's all starting right around the corner and it's just going to be a nonstop train that doesn't let up. Um now, a lot of that stuff we knew about and we're excited about and we're looking forward to. But the first uh, piece of news that we're going to talk about um, that just happened within the past week or so that I think none of us were expecting was the announcement that uh, Marvel Studios' uh, Kevin Feige is going to be developing a new Star Wars movie. Um, and this dropped out of nowhere. And it was... Uh, not, maybe not the same day, the same week that they announced that they were getting Spider-Man back in the MCU. And so uh, what a week for that guy. 
but obviously we know, um, I mean, he's kind of top of the world as far as movie producers go right now with all the success that he's had with, uh, the MCU so far, and obviously coming off the pinnacle of that with, uh, Avengers Endgame. But then, of course, I mean, they're not slowing down. They just announced a ton of stuff for Phase 4 that he's still involved with. Um, And now, you know, he's going to be developing a Star Wars movie. And we don't know exactly, like, how involved he's going to be. They've just said that he's developing, not... I don't think they've announced specifically if he's going to be producing, executive producing. I would assume it's going to be one of those two and that he's not going to be actually directing it or anything like that. Um but still, just, I mean, that's a huge name to add to uh, an upcoming Star Wars movie. But it creates a lot of questions, too. I've seen some people wondering, like, does this mean that he's maybe gearing up to transition from Marvel to Lucasfilm and maybe take over for Kathleen Kennedy? Which I think could be possible. I don't think it's like they're trying to kick her out and bring Kevin Feige in to fix whatever people think is wrong with The Last Jedi. Like, I've seen some people overreacting in that direction. Um And I don't think that's the case, but I've also heard some people make a good point that like Kathleen Kennedy's contract as president of Lucasfilm is going to be up in like two or three years. Um, And I mean, they could choose to renew it or if she chooses to move on and, you know, either try to move up in the company um, or just, you know, retire or go off and do something else or whatever that, you know, maybe they're gearing Kevin Feige up to to move into that role and have somebody else replace him at Marvel. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on here. There's also the question of when we could possibly see this Star Wars movie because we already know we're not getting another Star Wars movie after this year for three more years. And we've got the Benioff and Weiss trilogy. We've got the Ryan Johnson trilogy. And now we've got something with Kevin Feige in the works. And these are apparently all separate movies. And I mean, we might not even get to see his movie for five, ten years from now. Who knows? But... Um, I know as much as I was excited about this news, both of you guys are bigger Marvel and comic book Mm-mm. nerds than I am. So what did you guys think of this? Tim, may I, may I go first, please? Yes, you may. I'm anxious to hear Thank your you. thoughts. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I haven't talked to you guys in a long time. So for the record, so some of these guys haven't even asked me in private, which you know, we, a lot of times we talk about this stuff already, but you know, they, they haven't even heard what I think. And, I, and I've and i barely, I've kind of been saving it for my Star Wars shows. I did a little bit of talk about this on uh, Marvel Newscast. But so here's the deal. For those who don't know, I'm a giant Marvel fan. Star Wars and Marvel, always been my thing. I always try to remind people of that, knowing why I kind of, I, I hold Marvel and Star Wars at the same kind of, same level. And it's not because they're both the most popular things in the world. That's all coincidence, I promise. Uh, but anyway, I've been a huge Marvel fan for a long time. And when they started making films, it was a dream come true. And when the MCU started, it was a a shot in the arm of, of a Marvel fan, meaning it was just, it was what I needed to, you know, rejuvenate my, my love for the characters and stuff that I wanted to see because I thought Marvel had great characters and I want for those who don't know, Kevin Feige basically worked with uh, Laura Schuler Laura Donner. I can't probably butcher her name. She worked on the X-Men film for Fox. He was an associate producer on those films or some kind of lower tier producer. And he's actually the one responsible for Wolverine's hair in the first X-Men movie. It actually looked like Wolverine. Uh, 
because everyone else <laughs> didn't care just for doing that. <laughs> well, well, no, it's, it's just, but what, what I'm, yeah, you should have, you're yeah, right. Because but, it's, but, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is he was the one person said, no, no, you guys, this is a, this is a comic accurate thing. It's that attention to detail is what makes Kevin Feige, I think special, not just because he gets hair, but because <laughs> yeah, but he because gets, he gets those small details that he knows the fans will care about. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what, fan? Even if you're a minor fan, fans care about little things more than you. I, I think it's subconscious too. Like that doesn't really seem like the same character I know, or whatever. Or that doesn't look like Star Wars. How many times have we heard that? So many different times from different people. We and even though we may not agree with it, people say that, right? So and it's hard to get majority of people on the same page saying, yeah, that, that's Star Wars, because, you know, we all have diff such vastly different opinions of that. So Kevin, I think, is has done a great job taking and adapting the material from the comics into films. And that's what he's not a director. He's not a he's not a writer. He is a strictly a great producer who who has been who has mastered not just does a great job. He has mastered the art of adaptation yeah and i i want to say that because he's done so many great things and you know we could go on for a, a whole episode of me going on the examples but to kind of get it down to its nuts and bolts here kevin t picks and chooses from the comics and then mashes it together and makes a great marvel film and that's what he's been great at taking elements knowing what works puts it together and makes a fantastic film about it case in point Ant-Man. You may not like Ant-Man, and that's fine. Ant-Man's one of my favorite Marvel films, to be honest. I, I went in thinking it was going to be terrible because of all the controversy that came into it, because obviously obviously uh, Edgar Wright was was involved, and he eventually got kicked out, not, see, or not kicked out, but they didn't see eye-to-eye -eye with Kevin and, and Marvel Studios, and, and they got Peyton Reed, and I mean, let's be real, no, no disrespect to Peyton Reed, but Edgar Wright is a very, is a visionary director. He's got a great, specific, artistic eye. Peyton Reed's more of a paint-by-the-numbers, I think, movie director. He's not terrible, but he's not flashy by any means. But they turned out a fantastic movie because what Kevin did was took elements from the comics, you know, altered it a little bit, did a few things of his own, a twisted, not a lot, but twisted a little bit, and then turned out a great movie, at least I thought so, and the reason I bring it, say it's a great movie is because it was a very financially successful film. And I thought it was going to be their first bomb ever. And it ended up being, I mean, it's definitely one of their lower tier number uh, uh, performing films, but it was still enough to get a sequel. And that's a big deal. So Kevin takes these characters like Ant-Man, which by the way, had trouble even selling its own comic book for years. It would be you, it'd go an ongoing for Ant-Man and it would go uh, be canceled in less than a year. Because no one really cared about the character Ant-Man. Now, Kevin puts out a movie, and they make five, $600 million off of it in the theater. That's an amazing accomplishment. Think about it. He can't even get, they, the character can't even get his own successful comic book, but they can go out and be a successful movie. That is, the, to me, the merit and the understanding of a great, great producer and leadership. Now, those are the two things that Kevin Feige gives you in, I think, a movie. He gives you vision, he gives you leadership, and he gets direction, meaning where to take the story. That is so crucial. And I'm not saying that to be to say this is a, a thing against Kathleen Kennedy. No, 
And I'm going to steal a little bit from my friend Sean Gerber, my my co- the, or the main host. I give I'm this I'm his second in command. He's he's the head honcho of Marvel newscast because it's his thing. But I'm going to steal a little bit from Sean. I thought the kind of you know there was to me this this definitely signals something. And I thought it was maybe him taking over Lucasfilm, but not. And after talking to my my buddy Sean, he kind of talks about a little bit a little bit about it too. It's not I it's not taking over Lucasfilm. I don't think he's taking over Lucasfilm. But, and, and Sean kind of alludes to this, I think there's a future position for, for Kevin to stick and be overseeing a lot of Disney projects. Now, what I, I will tell and that's kind of what Sean's saying, creating a new position for him um, that will kind of him oversee Star Wars and Marvel. And I, I, that's where I think is happening. I think Kathleen Kennedy is has always been a great producer, uh, a great Someone who's that's that's her main profession. She's been running Lucasfilm, and to be honest, she's been mainly involved with it, what we, what it sounds like into the films. And I think what's probably going to end up happening is, like you said, Kyle, and alluded to, Kathleen Kennedy's contract comes up. I don't think Kevin Feige is the one that is going to be replacing her. But what I do think, I think Kevin Feige is going to be help running the stories for Marvel films going forward. And Marvel films. Now, I don't or think he's in Star he's Wars. Not, you mean? Yeah, yeah, for Star Wars. Excuse me. He'll be he'll be in charge of the films and direct and that or as a, an executive producer slash. I'm gonna oversee it and say yeah, yay or nay or you know I'm gonna approve this. I'm gonna approve that. Again, the direction and all of that. And I think with Marvel, he's got he's got his Marvel thing kind of down to a science, and he's got great people underneath him. And I think he's still gonna be involved with that, obviously. But I think he's going to be kind of involved in both because he's a huge Star Wars fan. That's all I keep hearing. I, I've never mm-hmm. seen these quotes or anything like that, but I, apparently he's a giant Star Wars fan. That's great. And one thing and, that I was just going to bring up about that to just jump in for a second, because I've seen the same thing like with a lot of these articles that are just talking about him doing the Star Wars movie. They're like, oh, Kevin's a big Star Wars fan. But I remember hearing a uh, a little anecdote from uh, Spider-Man. I think it must have been the most, the most recent one, Spider-Man Far From Home. And this was just like as the movie was coming out. This was before he had anything to do with Star Wars that we knew about. Um, and it was... Uh, I think it was Tom Holland was talking about in an interview how Kevin, they had to cut out a Star Wars reference that Kevin Feige specifically had wanted put in there because he thought it would be funny. And like I just Tom Holland, saw that scene on the Blu-ray yesterday. So yeah, <laughs> Tom Holland completely about. didn't get it where like uh, he's trying to like sell some old toys and stuff to raise money for the strip that he's going on. And he has to sell yeah. <laughs> a Lobot action figure and like nobody knows who Lobot is. And Tom Holland's like, I got, I have no idea who this guy is, but he's, you know, some obscure star Wars character that Kevin wanted to put in there. Cause he's a big star Wars fan. So I remembered that as soon as I read this article and I was like, okay, that to me says that, you know, he's got some, he's got a little bit of nerd cred. I mean, especially the fact that, you know, we know he's involved as he is in Marvel um, you know, this guy knows his pop culture in general, but, uh, he's not one of these people that, and not to say anybody's like a fake star Wars fan, but you know, there's a difference between somebody who's like, Oh yeah, I love star Wars. I grew up watching those movies and, uh, yeah, I love Darth Vader and may the force be with you. And like somebody who knows the nitty gritty, like Lobot side characters and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And in this wrap up, I, I know I'm going long, but I, as you guys, as you know, I have a lot to talk about with this, so I apologize. But, but anyway, I I do think that with Kathleen Kennedy, there's one thing you got to realize when she was hired as 
the uh, head person, uh, or when she took over for Lucas, and when the sale to Disney went through, and then George basically was, as we know, Bob Iger and all them basically forced him out as far as having anything, any voice in it. Rest in peace, George, as far as your your thoughts and, and ideas for Star Wars. I miss them already. Hey, um, it seen if it does Ride the Skywalker, though. So. That's true. You know, I hope so. I hope I hope I hope so. I really do. And that's a whole that's a whole other discussion. But really quickly, wh- here's what's really fascinating is when she took over and they were planning everything going forward, she created the story group, which is a very, very popular thing that a lot of Star Wars fans love. They go, oh, I love Pablo Hidalgo and Matt Martin. And that's great. I, and those guys are great. That's fine. What's interesting is that she did that and, and founded that whole thing based on Marvel because when Kevin Feige at the time was doing Marvel and, and all that stuff, he had a similar group. And that, and if you read the original reports from or, or articles back in 2013, when this all went down, it was inspired by Marvel. Here's the funny thing. Well, when, if you guys know about what happened with the, uh, fall, not falling out, but a couple years ago, about three, four years ago, there was a big hoopla about Kevin Feige. Basically, Marvel Studios separated completely from Marvel. Marvel was owned is is basically run by a guy named Ike Perlmutter, who is an pretty much an awful person. He's just a he's just a, a jerk. I, and a lot of people have a hard time getting along with the guy. He's known as being one of the cheapest business people in the industry, if anything. Super cheap. And it's they had a tumultuous relationship, apparently, or, or that very, very strained relationship, Kevin Feige and Ike Perlmutter. So basically, Ike Perlmutter and Kevin were running Marvel, to, you know, basically building Marvel together, and he had basically answered Ike Perlmutter and was so tired of it, he went to Alan Horn and said, I want to be out of this. And when he did that, he goes, I want to be my own person. I want to make Marvel Studios be completely separate from Marvel Company. And they did that. So he he essentially separated himself from the company. Now bring up the story group because Ike Perlmutter and Kevin Feige they all had to they all worked together in a story group having like Brian Bendis, Joe Casada, other Marvel creative people to kind of like the idea of the story group to break down stories to make sure they're getting the right characters right, et cetera, et cetera. But as it turns out, as soon as Kevin could, he got out of it and was like, nope, it's all the buck stops with me. And I thought that was very interesting because 2013 was a long time ago. And you know what? There hasn't been a drop off at all with these stories and there's in the getting the characters right. And I think it's evident that Kevin has a great, such a great vision. It's he doesn't need a story group. And I think that's, what's very interesting to me is that Kathleen Kennedy depended on these people in the story group or depends on these people in the story group to help develop these things for her because that's not really her game. That's not really where she, her strengths at. Her strength at is making films. And I know she's the CEO of, of, of Lucasfilm, but Lucasfilm's primary bread, you know, bread and butter is making films and selling the merchandise off of the films. That's, that's their main, their main thing. And with Kevin, you know, she doesn't really, she's not really involved with the story. That's not really her, that's not her game. Kevin's different. And if this really is true and whoever is running as, even if it's a CEO of, of Lucasfilm, I think Kevin's going to be above that person and be desi- deciding what happens with Star Wars as a story uh, with story. And I, and I'm not saying the story group will be vanished completely or anything like, anything like that, but I think 
I think there's gonna be more there's gonna be a more more direction in where Star Wars is going if Kevin's heavily involved. And the one and then I'll end with this. I have no idea what Kevin's gonna do. But if you look at, at his track record and you think about what is his strength and what have I been saying this whole time, adapting. I think there's a serious I think there's he's already got a story. He's already told an actor, as we know, there's an idea and he has for the, for somebody out there, an actor, an actress, whatever. And I think he's already got the story and I think he's adapting something. I think it could be something that we may have seen or have, have an idea of that. He's going to borrow just like in Marvel. Keanu Reeves as Revan. Bring it. Something <laughs> like that. No, honestly, but I, I don't want to keep saying Knights of the Old Republic. Cause that's what we always say. The Benioff and Weiss and Ryan Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Somebody's something making like it. that. Right. But what I'm saying is it's something where he's taking it. I think he's going to take something and adapting it. I really do. I think he's going to take a book or an idea. He's going to say, I like this idea. I'm going to play off that. It's going to be different, but it's very heavily inspired by that. That's where my money is. I have no idea what that is, but I honestly think it's probably old Jedi related and, or something like that. Uh, But either way, I think Kevin's going to give something that Lucasfilm needs was a lot of direction. And I know I'm not trying to be critis- super critical of Lucasfilm because I've liked what Kathleen Kennedy's done for the most part. I, with the exception of The Last Jedi, which I still like, but I don't love, I I love Rogue One. I love Solo. I really like I like The Force Awakens. I've, I like a decent amount of The Last Jedi. There's a lot of it I loathe, but regardless, <laughs> she's for the most part, I think, made the right decisions for the most part. And I think that I'm not, this is not a harping on her. Like we need to get her out of here, but I do think her lack of direction with the sequel trilogy has definitely hurt the, the brand a little bit. I will be honest. And I think that having someone with more vision of story like a Kevin Feige will really, really help star Wars going forward. Okay. If I could just jump in and respond to just a couple quick things that you said, and then Tim, I'll let you go because, because Tim hasn't said anything yet. Um, No, but as far as you brought up the thing with Ike Perlmutter and, Obviously, I'm not as much into Marvel as you guys are, but I actually just read an article about that for the first time the other day. And like you said, it does sound like he's a not very likable guy. And this article was specifically talking about how part of the reason that Kevin wanted to spin off and do his own thing was because he was trying to push to get some of these more progressive Marvel movies yeah. made that we're just getting now, like Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Like I, and, yeah. and Ike yep. Perlmutter was like basically trying to block him like, nah, I just want to keep doing our thing. And like, Oh, those aren't going to do that well. Or, you know, he didn't want to be, um, you know, pushing Captain those, which, which, which seems ridiculous now, because like, especially when those are established characters that were already doing well in the comics, it's like, it's 2019 mm-hmm. having a movie with a, a black character in the lead or a female lead, like doesn't seem that far fetched. Um, so, but yeah, so Kevin basically wanted to get out from under his influence so that he could expand and make more of the movies that he wanted to make. So it doesn't seem like it was as much of him trying to get away from having a story group and tell stories on his own as much as it was just him trying to get away from that one guy from my brief perspective of it. Um, but also as far as the story group, I think the main difference between Kevin Feige and the Lucasfilm story group And I wish the Lucasfilm story group operated more like Kevin Feige does, because it seems like they're more it seems like they're more there just to keep Star Wars stories in check. Like they are keeping their finger on the pulse of every story that's being told in the movies, in the video games, in the the novels, the comics. And like they're there to give input 
if need be, or like suggest certain characters that they could use to connect to other stories that they know are being worked on at the same time. But also they're kind of just there to make sure that, um, you know, again, you got guys like Pablo Hidalgo and Leland Chi who are like the canon experts and making sure that nothing is contradictory. And, you know, they help come up with like ship names and models and all those like really nitty gritty technical things. And they just keep everything they make sure that everything just kind of gels and that it's all continuous and that there's nothing that's like contradicting or retconning each other or anything like that. But as far as the direction of the stories, especially with the films, I mean, we know like Ryan Johnson had free reign to do whatever he wanted on The Last Jedi. Like Pablo Hidalgo doesn't get to tell Ryan Johnson, no, here's where I want the story to go. He's just there to make sure that all the little details in the story line up with the Star Wars universe. Whereas Kevin Feige is getting his directors and his producers and his actors for these Marvel movies and saying, here's the characters I want involved. Here's where we want the story to go, or here's the specific comic story that we're adapting or whatever. Now go make that. And he's kind of overseeing it and making sure that they're doing it the way that he wants them to. Whereas mm-hmm. the Marvel or the Lucasfilm story group is kind of coming up behind instead of, leading the charge and they're just making sure that everything fits together nicely, but they really aren't the ones guiding the stories. And so I would love to see somebody like Kevin Feige take over Lucasfilm and say, and again, like you said, Paul, I'm not trying to, I'm not bad mouthing Kathleen Kennedy or anything like that. I think even, I'm not saying that Kevin Feige should replace her or kick her out or anything like, even if they work together and this could all just be, you know, we could be getting way ahead of ourselves here because maybe he is just coming in, you know, after all the stuff he's done with Marvel, maybe he's like, hey, you know what, just for a fun challenge, I love Star Wars, so I want to produce a Star Wars movie. But if this does lead to a bigger role for him at Lucasfilm, I look forward to seeing what they could do with one person who really does have creative control over the stories and it's not just... um you know, getting people together and saying, okay, now go tell the Star Wars story you want, but get somebody who's a diehard Star Wars fan and says, hey, this is the direction we should go. So follow me. These are the Star Wars stories that we're going to tell and just brings people along to actually like do the work of making those movies. Yeah, you guys brought up some, you know, really great points that I hadn't even thought about (laughs) that far ahead, especially with the story group, because that never even crossed my mind when I heard this news. Of course, you can't help but think, about the future possibilities of what it could mean on an executive level if he's going to be joining Lucasfilm. So just as the Hollywood Reporter article mentioned, but um, I just got to be honest, that's not the stuff I'm really dwelling on. I'm just excited to get a Kevin Feige produced or Star Wars movie. I mean, that in itself is reason alone to you know be really, really excited about this news because, I mean, I don't want to repeat everything you just said, Paul, why um, this is great news and why Kevin Feige Sorry. is one of no, it's fine. You're the best person to speak about it. I mean, so, but I mean, just the cinematic achievement that he has made for himself with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just unparalleled as far as having all these movies be successful and then build up to this one big crescendo event with Avengers Endgame and have it be both, you know, wildly successful the biggest movie of all time and just for the most part if you know, i can't please everybody but satisfying to almost all the fans of the marvel movies i mean it's so rarely done nowadays and to be i don't know the exact number but it was in the 20s <laughs> as far as marvel movies up to end game so to have them all be successful to lead up to that big moment just you know it's been unparalleled for a producer to do in movies so 
I mean, that reason alone to have someone like that now be involved in the Star Wars universe just has me really, really pumped to see what he's going to do. And not to mention the fact that um, he is a big Star Wars fan, like uh, like he said, and uh, these reports are saying too. So just to, you know, I really think we, we could speculate all the reasons behind it, but right now until we get official word and then the future goes down to see, you know, what actually does happen regarding Kevin Feige and Lucasfilm. But for right now, I just really do tend to believe that this is kind of like a passion project that he wants to do. He's proven how successful he was with Marvel. It's almost like now that he's finished with the Infinity Saga with Endgame, um, not to say that he's taking a major step back, but maybe Disney's, you know, allowing him to, you know, branch out a little bit more than now that the big first phase, and I say the first phase, but really, you know, there's three phases in the Infinity Saga, but that one big, you know, all those big movies that led to that Infinity Saga is now done. And now it's kind of like, not take a breather, but he can maybe explore other avenues. And I think probably maybe Disney asked him like what he would like to do and anything other besides Marvel. And he had his pick and knowing that he's a big star Wars fan, that's what he wanted to do. So it just, yeah, I'm just excited about it. I was not expecting it once that news dropped. I mean, at first it was just like, what? <laughs> do they misspell? Uh, is this a typo where it should have said a Marvel movie instead of Star Wars? But no, it was actually true where he's making a Star Wars movie. And I agree it's probably going to be something that is further down the line because, as you mentioned, Kyle, we got those other projects that we know are coming starting in 2022. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is, you know, at the end of the 20s or, you know, maybe early in the 30s, which is kind of hard to be saying that right now. <laughs> but still, I expect this to be kind of further down the line. But everything can change. But um, for right now, I think it's probably something that is on the end of the star- the planned projects that we know are coming right now. But I definitely can't wait to see it, regardless of you know what it's going to be. I think it's just having Kevin Feige involved with it is going to be something really, really cool for Star Wars fans. So yeah, I can't wait for it. I know the reaction, surprisingly, about this news has been kind of extreme in one ways or the others. Because when it first came out, you know, you got to scroll through Twitter and see what Star Wars fans are reacting to it. And I shouldn't be surprised, but as always, you got some naysayers out there, which actually like, does surprise me. I said I shouldn't be surprised, but it still surprises me because it's just coming off the success of Endgame and to have that creative force now be in Star Wars. I think it should be something that gets a lot of fans excited, but you got those saying, oh, it's it's a safe play. Star Wars, you know, still playing it safe. They just want to code off the success of Marvel. Then you got the other extreme saying, oh, so glad to have Kevin Feige here so he can fix the mess that Lucasfilm is here Mm -hmm. is in now. So it's kind of (laughs) like, still just can't have that general excitement of having someone who's proven to do great genre-based films that have both been critically, financially, and just from a fan standpoint, so successful. Now I'm in Star Wars. How can you not be excited about that? So even if there's others who aren't, uh, you can definitely count me and I, obviously you two guys as well as for ones who are excited about this news. So yeah, this was just, I think, great all around and just another new Star Wars project to look forward to further down the line. As we were talking about at the beginning of the show, all the stuff we got coming for the end of this year and early into 2020, but we're already looking way beyond that. And so about some cool stuff coming. So yeah, it was just awesome news. Yeah. I have sure. to say that this is the last thing I'll say is I, I do think this is a precursor to something. I don't think Kevin 
is not being is not is this this is not announced at this point just because it's a passion project in my opinion and i'm not saying you're wrong i just think this is this is definitely a move of something and i think maybe more like a testing ground for that maybe yeah 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 i think that's what it's going to be i think they're going to see how well it tracks i think social media i think social media is so powerful obviously and i think i think the reactions to the Game of Thrones guys. I think the reactions to Ryan Johnson. Again, I know there's people out there who love both those people, or they don't like either, or they don't like one, and it pit them against each other. I'm right now thinking that Star Wars, even though Bob Iger said the next thing is is the Game of Thrones guys, I'm starting to kind of doubt myself. Like maybe, the, what if Kevin's like kind of coming in, be like, actually, we need you to come in and, and get this. You know, do you have a story idea? Yeah, I got a story idea. Bam, bam, bam. They're like, all right, dude, make that movie. And then I'll get the writer. I'll get this. I'll get that. I almost feel like it could be that fast where the Benioff and Weiss guys are gone. And they're like, and they say, actually, Kevin mm-hmm. Feige movie brought it up. I mean, because think about this. The solo movie was supposed to be the first movie between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. But it wasn't because they weren't ready for it. And then they moved up Rogue One instead. No, wasn't it kind it, of the opposite? Wasn't Boba Fett supposed to be next? Yeah, no, I think, I, think Ro- I think Rogue One was always planned to be the first spinoff. The second one was supposed to be Boba Fett, but then that got canceled he, because of the stuff no, going on with was, Josh Trank. I, I know what happened. The Force Awakens, um, this is what, I read, it's, it's in the solo, um, the Art of Solo book. Kazdin was working on, was brought in to do the solo movie first. And was planning on was working on that with was Lucas and they were de- that was an early development already. And what happened was when they pulled him into the Force Awakens, it then took him away from the solo movie. So they moved up Rogue One instead. I'm oh, pretty sure okay. that's straight from the, uh, the the Art of book, and that's why they went with Rogue One right away. So my I guess my point is things can change like that, and yeah, they can all of a sudden it. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is. Even though they said Benioff and Weiss is next, they just signed a giant thing to Netflix. And they may be like, they maybe Disney's like, you know what? Just like and like Ryan Johnson, I hate to hate to crap on Ryan Johnson or you know, people for a minute, but I still don't think he's getting his movies. And like we talked about, he may get maybe maybe he'll get uh his own uh, like Disney Plus movie, but at this at this point he's gone on record saying, "Oh yeah, I'm still working on it, but I might be able to squeeze another film in, in between there." It's like, dude, by the time you do another film after Knives Out, that's I mean, D- Kathleen Kennedy will be gone, and well, for sure she'll be gone, right? And then so a whole yeah, new she could uh, still come back or renew her contract I mean, or whatever. I, I don't I don't think I don't think she's renewing. I, I'm gonna go on record and say that there's no way, there's no way she's renewing. There's no way. I think this time I wasn't surprised. I think they want to, they want, she, they're going to let her finish her, her, her trilogy after that. Cause think about this. It's a couple years. I, I could be wrong, but and that's fine. I'll eat crow. I'll eat crow of Ryan Johnson. I have no problem. As long as I get good star Wars, is all I care about, but just from what I'm seeing and what, how he's saying things, I just, I just don't see it. And it keeps, and he, he's talking about, yeah, yeah, I can't wait, but I, got, I might be able to do another movie in between there. I feel like he's just, trying to they're just waiting to kind of stall it out and when the new regime comes in that's when things will be you know again maybe kevin's overseeing again not running lucasfilm but he's overseeing the films for lucasfilm or star wars for lucasfilm something like that film specifically so anyway that's where i I kind of feel i would not be shocked if this gets catapulted to the next star wars movie that's released 
Because we've got a lot of time between now and then. It's very yeah. possible. The only thing that makes me think that they're maybe not making that big of a move yet is like when we got the announcement about, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson getting another trilogy or Benioff and Weiss getting their series. They told us from the get go that it was a trilogy or a series like they made that in the initial announcement that like the showrunners of Game of Thrones are going to be developing a new series of Star Wars films. Um, and with Kevin Feige, this just says he's developing a Star Wars movie. Um, and I think that could definitely lead to other things down the line and open more doors for him to move into a more permanent role at Lucasfilm or oversee, you know, more Star Wars movies after that. But I think as of right now, I just don't want to make too many bold predictions about, uh, you know, what this means, like this shaking up everything. You know, he's going to end up doing the Benioff and Weiss movies or he's going to do a whole series or he's going to take over everything going forward when all they've announced is that he's doing one movie. So, um, Kind of like you said, Tim, I'm, I am on the one hand, just excited to see, you know, if he does just do one movie, I'm going to still be excited for that and, and, uh, see what happens when he gets his hands on star Wars and just see what he can do with it. Um, and then if this does lead to other things after that, well, you know, always in motion is the future. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he'll plant, you know, if it is just one movie that he's developing and it could feel like a one and done, but I'm sure he'll plant certain things in there that could spin off into sequels or whatnot because i'm sure it'd be hard for him not to building a whole universe out of one movie with iron man i'm sure oh he's gonna have other ideas in mind instead of just one but just in case have it be self-contained but if they successful and every it's a great movie room for continue on with that story with other ones so you know just gotta wait and see but like you said it's let's just get that one movie first and i'm sure it's gonna be something great so we just gotta find out when that's coming yeah, and uh, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll get more info about that at Celebration next year or something. But f- at least yeah. for now, that definitely seemed like it's still a ways off. Um, but now let's get to talking about the more immediate stuff. Um, and like I said, we've got some new images and articles and info and stuff from Empire Magazine uh, from their issue for this month where they're talking about the rise of Skywalker. Um, so, of course, it's their cover story for this month. So they've got some cool exclusive covers uh, they've got one where uh, they've got Ray and Kylo standing back to back with their lightsabers ignited, and then they've got two like exclusive covers where um, one's just Ray and one's just Kylo, but like they've got their lightsabers clash. And if you put the two covers together, it um, you know makes like one long image of them looking like they're engaged in a lightsaber duel. Um, so some pretty cool covers there, um, and then just a couple of quick tidbits of info from some of these articles here. Um, this is really nothing spoilery and it's really nothing super surprising as far as, you know, them talking about what the movie's going to be about. Um, but just, they have one article here that says Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker will develop Kylo Ren and Rey's complicated relationship. Um, and in the article, they talk about obviously how big of a, uh, sort of factor that was in The Last Jedi and how some of the most captivating scenes in the movie were the dialogue scenes between the two of them. But then they talk about how that goes all the way back to not just The Last Jedi, but how it really started in The Force Awakens. And ever since that scene where Kylo takes his helmet off and he's interrogating Rey and he can kind of see her dreams and they're talking about this island that they've both seen. But then she kind of gets in his head and she can see what he's afraid of and stuff that there ever since then, there's kind of been this connection between the two. And then obviously it was really 
expanded upon in The Last Jedi and was a huge part of that movie. And so to no one's surprise, that will continue to be a major theme of The Rise of Skywalker and that we're going to see a lot more from both of those characters and see a lot more interaction between the two of them. Um, And so I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, And I'm not necessarily on one side of the fence or the other as far as, you know, wanting them to be related or end up in a romantic relationship or anything like that. Um, You know, I I don't have like a theory that I'm dead set on. I just obviously know that there's going to be new layers added to that relationship and to those characters. And so I'm excited to see where that ends up going. Yeah, man, those covers and Empire never disappoints with their Star Wars covers for all the new Mm -hmm. movies we've gotten since The Force Awakens. All those covers are so cool. And these ones, this might be my favorite because of, like you said, those two separate covers for Rey and Kylo. When you put them together, it makes such an awesome image. And I tweeted this out on our Twitter account, and we've said it before a lot on this show, but how we're dying to see Kylo have a lightsaber duel with his helmet on and how cool that would look. And this image right here on those covers is proof (laughs) how amazing it would be to see Kylo in a lightsaber fight with that helmet. That image is, is really striking. Uh, just you know maybe really excited and hopeful that this was a sign of things to come of maybe getting that in the rise of skywalker so yeah those covers were great and as far as that ray and kylo ren um article that they had on there about their relationship stuff we've heard before nothing really too new like you said but at the same time i do like how that's kind of being reiterated a lot when either jj abrams or chris terrio is talking about Ray and Kylo's relationship being a focus and a focal point of the movie. I mean, that's what I like to hear because I just really want to expand more on their connection and just their story, where it goes, and their history as well. So the fact that it gets, keeps getting talked about makes me excited that that is going to be a huge, huge part of the Rise of Skywalker story. So even though it was nothing new, still glad to read that type of stuff coming from, you know, J.J. and Chris Terrio. Yeah, and then yep. – uh, oh, go ahead, Paul. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that, and or add the fact that it's really cool the, the the little things we've seen. I've been, I'll be, admit it right here, or I'll, I can't talk tonight. No change there. Um, I'll admit that I, I've been trying to avoid a lot of this stuff. I've told you, I told the guys before the show, and and I, I've seen the pictures, but I'm trying to like keep myself distant so much from this from this uh, whole thing, just because I want to go into the, this movie as fresh as possible. And, and though the, the stuff that, that, that Kyle told me that they, the articles talk about, it's not, they're not spoilery, but it it's still like, I'm just, I'm getting excited from, you know, I just want to see, I just want to see such a good movie. I just want a great movie that I can get behind. And if this is truly the end of the Skywalker saga and all that jazz, I just want a great ending that I can really feel like, yeah, this is the way they end it. And I'm really hoping that the little we've seen and hear I'm hearing or that they're alluding to like about again, having a connection between Kylo and, and Ray and things like that, that gives me hope. It honestly does. And I know a lot of stuff is leaked out there, but the little that they've, they have revealed in the mainstream uh, marketing or whatever it is it is does give me a lot of hope i'm i'm really as much as apprehension as i have after you know not loving the last jedi as much as i did or i wanted to 
I'm really hopeful that Rise of Skywalker will deliver this for me. And I think what I, what I've seen, I, I I think I'm gonna really enjoy it. Yeah, I really do. I, I just I, I'm hoping I will anyway. But the things I've seen so far, I have not been. Nope, I'm. I've been 100% in line with it. And granted, I was like that with Last Jedi before I saw it too. So that doesn't really say much. But I feel in the little I've seen the articles, and I'm curious what you guys think. The little I've seen JJ talk about, it seems like he's handling things a little bit better now. Just in how he's talking about Star Wars in general, I feel. In the Force Awakens kind of press, he kind of just, he really wanted to set out and say, this is about, you know, a new thing, a new, you know, he, he really wanted to make, make it more about himself, I feel, a little bit. That's what I kind of, I, the impression that I got, not himself, like, look at me, but. Well, more like this, the movie I would want to see as a exactly. child or a fan of Star yes. Wars, something like that, on those lines. I, and, 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 and granted, it is the end of the, of the quote unquote saga, but I he just seems a little bit smarter about it now, to be honest. I think he kind of learned a little bit that, you know what? My Star Wars is not, I because I think a lot of people, including Disney, including J.J. Abrams, thought that Star Wars is mainly the only original trilogy, meaning mm-hmm. it's all that people want to see. I think they learned a very valuable lesson in the last couple of years, in the last four years, five years, whatever, in that Star Wars is way more than the original trilogy. And I think they learned the hard way yep. <laughs> just 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 how popular the prequels are and how important they hold the fans. And, that, and the thing is, they realize that maybe more mainstream fans like the prequels than they really realized. Yeah, there's a lot of vocal people that didn't like it. But I think when you compare it to like The Last Jedi, where you have something where it was we didn't really have social media as big as as we do now for the prequels and maybe there would be more people that would be more vocal saying they loved it opposed to them hating it does that make any sense well so that, that does make sense but i also think even more to the point is that the kids who grew up loving the prequels are like coming into adulthood now like i was kind of on the older end of that spectrum like i was eight when phantom menace came out and 14 by the time Revenge of the Sith came out. But I see comments sometimes from people online saying that, you know, they were like six when Revenge of the Sith came out, and that was the first movie that they went to go see in a theater or something like that. Or they maybe were even, you know, born around the time those movies were coming out and didn't even get to see them in the theater, but they grew up with those movies just like, you know, older generations grew up with the original trilogy. And so some of those people now are in high school or college or, you know, young adults. And now they're the ones that are like having the voice on social media and are kind of coming to that age for the, for the first time where they really take ownership of the things they love and are willing to, you know, make their voice known about it. No, that's exactly it. And I think from the articles that I've seen a little bit here, people talk about and seeing JJ kind of talk about, I think we had to kind of see reactions from Star Wars fans that, that to kind of realize that George, what George went through wasn't exactly a George only experience. And I, I, I think mm. that even JJ experienced a little bit of backlash from, even though it made like $2 billion in the force awakens and granted money is it, these people, may, maybe he only cares about money, but I, I had to, I have to think that JJ is, is He's more than just money. He he is a creative person by nature. That's that's who he is. He's he's a writer and a, you know and all that stuff. So and creates content. I have to think that I I have to think that maybe the reaction to the, the criticisms of just basically milking a new hope was not what everyone wanted. I think I think at first everyone loved it. I think people kind of kind of realized, eh, I need a little something more original. And then he realized, man, Ryan Johnson just tried something different, which I give Ryan a lot of credit for. 
didn't nail it. And people, you know, it's really a divisive film. And because of that reason, I think it maybe has given JJ a little more perspective going into the rise of Skywalker and knowing, okay, this, this kind of made them this way. This made them this way. A lot of people universally love rogue one. I mean, rogue one is, and they love my film, but the biggest criticism criticism of my film was it relied too heavily on the original structure of a new hope, which was purposeful, but maybe I did a little too much. I just kind of feel like he's, and it also knows that they're prequels. They, they, you know, people love them. And I, I, I just think that with, with Disney and, and JJ kind of going around one more time on this, I'm very curious how they handle everything. And I just, I just feel that JJ's good. I think he's going to stick the landing. I really do. I have a lot of faith. He's going to stick the landing. I, I hope if he doesn't, man, it's going to be interesting after that movie gets released. But <laughs> I, I have to think, I, I really do think he's going to stick the landing, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so too, and I definitely hope so. But I hear what you're saying about kind of a shift in tone as far as just what he's saying about the movie this time around. But I mean, I think obviously the first time there was a ton of pressure on his shoulders just to reintroduce this franchise and re-kickstart it. And he's said in interviews before very plainly, like they felt like with The Force Awakens, they had to remind people what Star Wars was all about in the first place. And I think that's kind of where they went wrong because there are a lot of us that didn't feel like we needed the quote unquote bad taste of the prequels washed out of our mouths. Or, you know, even if you didn't like the prequels, it's like, yeah, we've got the prequels, we've got the originals. Okay, now give us something new and not just like rehash the originals to kind of dumb it down or be like, hey guys, remember this is why you love Star Wars? It's like, yeah, we know why we love Star Wars. Now add to it, do something new with it. <laughs> um, exactly. but I think, I think this time around, it seems like, okay, now that they got that out of the way, like, I don't think he's doing that again. I don't think that's his whole approach to star Wars. I think that was just with the force awakens because they had such a, a weight on their shoulders and such a sort of pressure to deliver for Lucasfilm and for Disney and for the fans to make something that the fans would like, but also that would appeal to as many people as possible and would make as much money as possible so that, you know, they could show Disney that this was a worthwhile investment. And it's like, okay, now that they got those first steps out of the way, JJ can now take the story that he started and expand it in some more new, interesting directions. And it's not just all about setting this thing in motion for the first time. Um, so yeah, I, I think he does have kind of a different approach to it this time around. And I think it's just natural because of the place the story is at now and the fact that it's not his first time working on it. So I'm definitely excited to see what he can do with it. Um, but then just a couple other articles here. There's also one other one where they talk about uh, the writer, Chris Terrio says, these are two key questions that uh, fuel episode nine. Um, so it is kind of two questions that are sort of behind what the story's about. Um, and again, kind of obvious things here, but you know, kind of cool nonetheless. Uh, he says, one of them is who is Ray? Um, and it's a question that, you know, they'll address like, not just literally, because again, they've already mentioned that like, we might learn more about where she comes from or her parents or whatever. Um, and there's some people that want to know more about that and not just kind of take the answer that we were given in the last Jedi, but also just sort of who is she as a person. And we'll see her continue to, to, gr to grow and develop as a character. Um, which again, obviously because she's the main character of the trilogy, but really like finding out what is her place and what is her role in all this. Um, and then the other question he says is how strong is the force? Um, which I think is kind of interesting because, you know, I think from both that could play into kind of both the light side and the dark side, like we'll see, 
yeah. Ray obviously developing her powers and coming into her own as a Jedi, but then also, you know, could Luke or Anakin or Yoda, uh, you know, maybe play into it in a way that we haven't seen Force Ghost come into play before, kind of like how we saw Yoda in The Last Jedi being able to actually physically interact with the world and, and call down lightning. Um, and then, of course, on the flip side with the dark side, like we know Palpatine is coming back in some form. And how strong is he with the dark side to be able to actually preserve himself after death? And we still don't really know. Like, is he coming back in physical form? Is he some sort of dark side force ghost or spirit or entity or something? Or is it just, you know, a holocron or a hologram or whatever? But we know he's playing into this story somehow. Um and of course, you've still got Kylo Ren and the legacy of Darth Vader and everything. And so I'm sure we'll uh, kind of delve more into the dark side of the force as well. And it's the final film of the Skywalker saga. And so, you know, in the culmination of these nine movies, how could you not have some cool new force powers that we haven't seen before? So definitely excited to see what new aspects of the force they're cooking up for this movie, too. Yeah, these quotes actually got me more excited than what we were talking about earlier with Ray and Kylo. In particular was Ray, because again, just driving home that point of how significant her character, as we said before, should be in this, not just this trilogy, but in the saga as a whole. And I like how he said, too, part of the questions they want to answer was, you know, how can Ray become the spiritual heir to the Jedi? Because that's, you know, really what she's going to be in this movie, then depending on how it ends. We know what she does in this movie is going to have a long lasting effect on the galaxy and for her legacy. And so... Again, that as we speculated about it ever since The Force Awakens, more so with The Last Jedi, about whose race parents are. But I think it's going beyond that now, just her importance or her importance to the grand scheme of things with The Force. Uh, if they explore that, as I hope they are, uh, it's going to be something I cannot wait to see. And I'm just glad he mentioned that in this quote here. And then that ties into exploring the power of The Force, just how powerful it is. And to be honest, that one kind of took me by surprise because, you know, We've seen some cool new force abilities in this trilogy so far. And the fact that, you know, as you said, uh, with Palpatine coming back, the sky's going to be the limit as far as what we could possibly see in this film about exploring the power of the force, both, both on the light and the dark side. That's just really exciting. So, yeah, hearing this stuff from Chris Terrio, I believe this just came out today. And when I read it, I was just like, oh, man, this is as much as those images got me pumped up, reading this stuff too almost got me just as excited as seeing those cool images that were revealed in the Empire issue. So, yeah, I really like what he had to say here. And just, you know, hopefully it is, I mean, it's sounding like it, but I just really hope this aspect of, you know, the Force, Ray and Kylo, Ray's importance to, you know, the Force and the galaxy is just what really drives the rise of Skywalker. And yes. of, course, of course we know it has to wrap up the entire saga, but... I'm just glad that those main aspects are what's, as I said before, what's really driving the selling point as far as when the creative, the creators and the actors talk about it, how it is just so important to this film. And that's what I like to hear. So, yeah, just hearing this stuff is going to be super, super excited. And again, <laughs> every time I read the stuff, see some new images, it's like, man, this looks so cool. It's, but I wish it was here. Oh, wait, it's actually just a little over two months. It's going to be here before you know it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just, Reading all this stuff is just, you know, making me anxious for that, you know, short time to hurry up and pass so we can see it because it's all just selling, sounding so, so good. I think what Chris Terrio, and that's the first I kind of heard of him talking about the movie itself. Because, again, I haven't, I haven't sought out these interviews or anything, anything like that. 
that being said, I love what I'm hearing. And I think the fact that he's talking about Ray and, and what kind of drives her and the importance of the force and how big is the force. Cause that's one of the things I think that George, he, I mean, he created it. So he understood, understands it better than everyone, but a lot of people like JJ was, you know, he just, just thinks, Oh, it's only a mystical, you know, we don't need to have many chlorians and all that stuff and whatever. But the whole idea of the force and, and the chosen one that we really, we get into with the clone wars and things like that. And he, you know, he took the, the midi chlorians and I thought really added to the mythological levels in the clone wars. And, and we kind of understand where more of the midi chlorians role is exactly what I let, what I like the idea of what, what Chris Terrio here says about the fort, how, how big is the force? I think, I hope that ties into Ray and get, getting to know Ray more too, because yeah. one of the things that I think that's again been kind of just kind of not really explored as much as we need to is Ray's background, not just where she comes from, but her significance as far as what her role in the galaxy is going to be. And a lot of people thought she was going to be a Skywalker because because of that importance, because the Skywalker family was so such a big deal. And I know there's a lot of fans out there who would say that anyone can be the hero, blah, blah, blah. And I get that. And that, but that's, that's represented in other people in the, in the star Wars trilogy. Whereas I feel like the people with the force that are Jedi, not everyone can be a Jedi. Not everyone can be special because if everyone's special, no one's special. And so obviously Ray is very powerful in the force. And I really want to see why she's powerful because and it's obvious that there, she has some bigger role in the galaxy. I mean, that's obvious at this point, not saying she's even a Skywalker at this point by blood. I'm just saying there is a significance to her. And I'm curious of like, or if, if the force being how learning how big the force is and also learning more about Ray are almost like they're very, they're, they're intertwined from what I'm saying, what mm. Chris Terrio is saying. So I think there's a very big possibility and I want that to happen because I don't want Ray to be an average Jedi. I don't because I think she's way better. She's way better of a character than that. And again, anyone can be the hero. Yes. But you know what? Sometimes the hero is a little more special. Sometimes people are just better than other people at things naturally because they're destined to be better at that. You know, it's like, yeah, someone's a, someone's a better bass player than I am. It's it maybe I I could practice all I want and that person could practice you know a couple hours a week and they're way better than me you know I I don't know it's really I mean that's really gonna happen but something like that I mean or creatively things like that sometimes you're just not gonna be as good as other people and that's not a problem either and I think that with Ray I want her to be special I want her to be more than just an average Jedi and if you want that for her that's fine I don't I don't that's it's your thing but for me. If you're going to be introduced in the Skywalker saga and you are going to be, a, a, we're all assuming to be the next person to bring on the Jedi Order, then there's got to be significance to that. As you, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like there has to be, I feel like there's a chosen one mentality with that. So I feel that I want something like that explained in the movie about Ray. That would make me feel a lot better about her, just her character. Because again, I want her. I want her to have significance other than just I'm a Jedi that you know trained with Luke for like three minutes and then I came out, fought Kylo Ren, and cried because he told me I was no I was nobody, and now I'm like gonna I'm gonna stop the gal I'm gonna stop Emperor Palpatine and Kylo Ren. I just want it to be more than that. 
I want it to be, I want the four, I want Luke to say you are, you know, obviously we, you're now going to bring the Jedi order in because you are always the one who's going to bring the back to Jedi order. Not me, you. And I, it was, you know, predestined things like that. I love destiny. It's a, and that's obviously a big thing in star Wars, right? It's a huge theme. And this is going to wrap up the saga. It should be a, it should be a theme. Gosh, darn it. I mean, come on. So, I mean, so anyway, I, I'm just going to keep harping until I see this stuff on, on the screen. So, and again, I, I think, from what we're hearing from JJ and Chris Terrio, I feel those things are going to be addressed. Would you guys agree to that? Oh, totally. Every while, while you were talking right there, that's what I just kept thinking. You know, I totally agree with you. And those quotes in Empire Magazine, when I read them, it leads me to believe that that could be accurate. I mean, the story could be totally different, but having that significance and importance that you were talking about, I think is looks to be the case based on what we're reading here. Yeah, I would definitely agree that it's going to be addressed in some way. I don't know that it's definitely going to play out exactly the way you're hoping because, I mean, we could find out that Ray is related to Luke or Han or Leia or somebody somehow. Um, or we could find out that she is, you know, some force incarnated chosen one or something like that. But I also think they maybe could, I, I think there is a way that they could sort of have both of those things intertwine where maybe like the destiny of Anakin and Luke Skywalker was to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the force. And then to pass that torch on to the next generation to someone like Ray, who isn't necessarily particularly special or isn't a chosen one or something, but she just happened to be a girl with force powers in a galaxy that needed Jedi. And she was the one that Luke passed his training onto. And she just sort of becomes that vessel. Um, and so I think that could be a way to kind of intertwine those messages of like destiny and having that heroic chosen one, but also that message that anyone can be a hero that like they needed someone to fill this role and it just happened to be her. Um, but see, that's, that doesn't seem like Star Wars, the Skywalker saga to me. And that's what I just, but don't... it seems like that might be where they're going with it. I just, I'm just saying maybe don't hope get not. your that's hopes up for it to go a certain way, because I think I want to be surprised. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want, so I don't necessarily want it to play out exactly any of the ways that we're speculating. I want it to maybe kind of touch on some of those things or you know, kind of play out in, in a way that I maybe was hoping for, but like do it differently or do it in a way that's new or refreshing or surprising. And so that's what I'm saying. I think there's ways that they can kind of spin it to where it's maybe not clear cut one or the other. You know, the thing for me is I just, it just doesn't, don't you think that it would it significantly lessens her character if they're like, oh, you just happen to be here. You could have been anyone, but now you're going to you know, put the, the Jedi Order on. That just seems like you're just downplaying your character. And not the quote Solo, that's not how the Force works. Because <laughs> everything that happens, you know, from what yeah, we know about exactly. the Star Wars saga, it's always through the Force that you were meant to be here. You were, it's your destiny. That whole thing is such a big theme. So, yeah, not sure they're going to, I mean, I really hope they don't, but I find it highly unlikely that that's, the way they're going to do it words, you know, just someone who just happens to be a force sensitive person on Jakku who is, you know, found by Finn and they run into Han Solo. So it's just the force is connected to all that stuff. And, but I do think there is a way, I mean, to have it where 
you kind of get the best of both worlds type thing because I've said it before and we'll probably say it again when we do our Rise of Sky or the Last Jedi commentary, but the idea of people thinking they're going to retcon um, what happened in The Last Jedi as far as Rey's parents being nobodies, I think that still could be the case, but yet it could be an important part to why Rey is, quote unquote, this uh, generation's chosen one in a way, and that is the will of the Force to have someone with that horrible childhood and upbringing. And they could use some of that to work in, you know, why the force used her to give her significance. There's just ways they can go about it. I think to kind of agree with what you're saying, Kyle, where it could be something that we're not totally expecting. It's not so clear cut that, Oh, she's, you know, related to Luke or Han or Leia, that type of thing. It could be something that, you know, fulfills both roles as someone of big significance and importance that is chosen by the force, but yet is, you know, not, necessarily connected to the skywalkers by blood so it's going to be you know that's one thing i definitely do not want to be spoiled on going into oh, this yeah. movie i mean for the last jedi it was finding out who ray's parents were now this one we're still kind of in that same lane there not fight or trying to not find out ahead of time to raise whole, whole history and backstory here so yeah i'm just hoping it's you know just satisfying has that importance and significance yeah, that we're all hoping it does and as can I, uh, quoted but, here in the article well here, b- before I, you jump really, in real really, quick paul i just gotta say keep in mind too if we're talking about chosen ones and destiny and lineage we're all assuming that ray in the when it's all said and done is going to be the main character of this story but keep in mind kylo ren could be the one to defeat palpatine and then that could be the fulfillment of like the Skywalker lineage. And then they pass the torch of, you know, carrying on the Jedi order to Ray. So, and yeah. obviously, I, obviously that's, that's it's, it's, it's a... not going to be just Kylo fighting Palpatine by himself. I mean, Ray's going to be there too, but whether it's her, you know, convincing, maybe she's the one to finally turn Ben back to the light side or something. I, again, there's a million different ways this could play out, but I definitely don't think, that uh, that Ben Solo being redeemed is off the table, especially I mean, just think about yeah. the fact that they're bringing Palpatine back at all. Like, why do you need to resurrect the biggest villain in the Star Wars trilogy if you already have because somebody that's going to be Snoke in the last movie? Well, right. But no, you <laughs> killed Snoke in the last movie and Kylo then ascended to that position. He's the supreme leader now. So if he's the big bad, why do you need Palpatine? I think. You know, Kylo, Kylo and Rey are going to end up taking out Palpatine together, whether they have, you know, whether she turns him to the light side or whether it's a similar situation to The Last Jedi where he, you know, kind of wants him out of the way or something like it's not just going to be a movie where Rey has to fight Kylo and then fight Palpatine and take out two bad guys by herself. Like there's a lot more to Kylo's role in this. Yeah, that's that's a great point, because it's easy knowing that Rey has been our protagonist for this trilogy you know, that it all rests on her to be the one, you know, to restore peace to the galaxy and balance to the force and all that, that you can sometimes forget about Kylo being a factor in that as well, because he is being built up as the main villain of this trilogy as, you know, so far he should be because that's what he's been. But yeah, like you said, bringing Palpatine back, that's no small thing. So (laughs) he's the baddest of the bad in the Star Wars galaxy. So you know that Kylo's have to play a factor in that as well. And that could be something that, ties into you know race significance in her role there that's a great point that you brought up kyle as far as maybe kylo is the one to defeat palpatine and that fulfills the skywalker legacy of bringing balance to the force but we don't know how but the only way he could do that is 
with Ray or through Ray or some way that Ray has to be involved with that. So it can be, you know, again, going back to that balance theme where you have to have the light and the dark side to fully restore balance and get rid of the ultimate evil, which is Palpatine here. So Mm -hmm. even if he's not redeemed, he's still bad, but he plays his part in defeating Palpatine as a dark side user while Ray plays her part as a light side user to bring down Palpatine. So yeah, can't forget about Kylo (laughs) when we're talking about all this stuff too. So well, I just, I don't think, I, I just don't think, I don't think he won't be redeemed or won't be. I just don't think this, the rise of Skywalker is pertaining to him. One, it's not his name. It's his bloodline, yes, but it's too, it'd be too complicated, to, I think, for the audience to be like, hey, this is Kylo Ren. He's been redeemed. He's the Skywalker that rose. Uh, it, this seems kind of, nah, it doesn't really, doesn't really make sense to me. But either way, I think that there is some there's there's a reason why it's called Rise of Skywalker, right? There's got to be a legit reason, and I hope it's a good reason. The one thing I, I will end with this is I at first years ago thought this theory was stupid and dumb and totally ridiculous, but now considering everything, I'm kind of like uh, I kind of like this theory now, which is Ray is a, a clone of Luke from Luke. As from Luke's hand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know I, about that. <laughs> I, guys, I've, I, I know I, it, it sounds so ridiculous, but I love it just because it would make sense. That she, she, she isn't, she comes from no one. She literally doesn't. And it was just modified and taken from someone really powerful in the force. And it gives her a connection to the Skywalkers, but not a direct descendant of the Skywalkers. And again, you kind of get you get an idea of that this person was abandoned and 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 rose above that. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I I used to be anti that theory, but it, to me it it kind of make it makes a lot of sense to me. So See, that's so. another ridiculous yeah. theory that I'm not a huge fan of, but I'd rather take over that one is her being like a clone of Palpatine or something like that. that I'm so done with sense. force clones in general. Like yeah, that's. A, I mean, obviously the clone army and attack of the clones is cool, but you know, when I just feel like it's lazy writing when it's like, Oh, where did this person come from? Oh, actually they're a clone of this person. Um, I don't think that that's the way they're going to go with it, whether it's of Luke or Palpatine or anybody now could Palpatine have maybe created her through the force or something like that? Maybe. I mean, maybe he has something to do with all this, but I don't think Ray is a clone of anybody. And I also don't think that that, you know, the Ray with the double bladed lightsaber that we saw in that D 23 sneak peek was a clone of the good Ray. Like, I don't know. I just hear so many clone theories going on and I'm like, no, no, this is crazy. The clone army of the Republic are the only clones we need in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's not Rex or Fives, get them out of here. But I will say, if her being a clone gives us a chance to go back to Kamino and the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I may be okay with it. <laughs> or feel a little better about it. Yeah, maybe that's the water planet that the Death Star wreckage is on. They cloned the Death Star, too, and that's why that's in there. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Um, so, yeah, obviously lots to chew on there in regards to, again, Ray and Kylo and their relationship and sort of what both of their roles in the stories are going to be. Um, and it's definitely probably the thing I'm most looking forward to finding out about the movie. I mean, you guys know Kylo Ren is far and away my favorite character in the sequel trilogy, and I can't wait to see where he ends up. 
Um, but just a couple other things here that they revealed. Um, this was actually, I mean, there's a, an Empire article about it, but I think this also came out just from StarWars.com today. Um, and they revealed a new character from the movie. His name is Babu Frick. Um, and he's a little alien uh, kind of uh, junk dealer, droid worker type guy. It says he's an Anzellan droid smith who works among the spice runners of Kajimi, which I think is that snow planet, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and it says he can reprogram or modify virtually any droid, regardless of the security measures protecting its systems. Um and I guess uh, a few days ago they did a uh, like a video live stream event where they showed off some products from Triple Force Friday coming up. And we'll talk about that in a sec with some more of those products and stuff. But um, apparently they actually had a little toy of this guy along with a toy of C-3PO with Chewie's bowcaster. And so now I'm starting to see how this is all coming together. I think maybe... Maybe it's just an all-hands-on-deck situation. Like, even though it looks like the Resistance is or the, yeah, the resistance has gotten more reinforcements and they've recruited more allies in the time since, uh, the last Jedi that maybe, you know, they're still shorthanded. And so they're like, you know what? 3PO, instead of just walking around chatting and worrying and talking everybody's ear off and, uh, telling us the odds, we're going to get this guy to reprogram you into a combat droid and, you know, make yourself useful for once. Um, <laughs> which, Seems a little goofy, but I'm more on board with that than I was with the, just the idea of regular old 3PO being like, oh my, here's a bowcaster, I'm going to pick it up and blast some stormtroopers. You see, I'm still holding on to my wishful, hopeful thinking about C-3PO's red glowing eyes now that we got pretty much confirmation of the character who's going to be reprogramming him. I really hope it's because he's getting his memory fully back and he just goes berserk and crazy <laughs> with that. And this is the guy, the alien to do that and to reprogram him to get his memory back. So I'm still clinging to that theory and probably shouldn't uh, you know, cling too closely to it. Be disappointed if it doesn't happen, but I really want that to happen so bad, but it is kind of cool to see, you know, a new character, a creature who's going to be uh, behind yeah. reprogramming droids and C-3PO here so it's a cool looking alien creature i will say that too mm -hmm. looks very small though <laughs> so it'll probably be funny to see him moving around and walking around because i believe his lego figure is like really small too when they showed those triple tri force friday toys you know lego figures are small already but his was like even especially small so it uh, should be a fun character to see on screen yeah i haven't stared at the picture because again i'm trying i'm trying to save everything i can for the trailer that i'm gonna try to only watch the next trailer I haven't read anything about him. So it's all of the new, everything's new I'm hearing. And it makes sense that this droid is probably responsible for 3PO's new uh, Rambo look. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I'm I'm intrigued. I, again, 3PO getting more involved is something I've always wanted in, in the movies. And this is a kind of a weirdly a, a thing, a dream, a childhood dream coming true for me, being a huge 3PO fan. So, and again, I've always wanted this. It's really surreal for me because I, I really think about the times when I was playing and I always wanted to give 3PO a blaster, but he couldn't hold one. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, man, how, how could 3PO? I, at least, I, think he, I taped a, a gun to his hand one time <laughs> to play with it. So there was that. So, yeah, I, this is weirdly coming a weird childhood like play fantasy of mine that's coming alive. It's very, very odd, but very cool at the same time. Yeah, and then, um, so we kind of saved the best for last as far as the Empire stuff. 
Um, that's it for like the articles and the new info and stuff. But then they also released two new images. Um, one is of Kylo Ren. Uh, it looks like he's in a hangar on like a first order star destroyer or something. Um, he's got his helmet in his hand and he obviously is like bracing himself against the floor as there's a bunch of stormtroopers behind him being blown down and knocked over. And it looks like by a ship engine. Um, because there's a big blue glow coming from off screen, but we can't see exactly what that is. I mean, maybe it's the Millennium Falcon or maybe somebody stealing a first order transport or something, but, um, I mean, it definitely looks like they're getting knocked over by like the power of a ship engine or something like that. And then of course, Kylo is just standing there looking very determined to, uh, withstand whatever this is. Um, and we get kind of another cool look at, you know, that red fractured helmet in his hand. Um, and then the other image that they released, I remember I saw this when it first came out and I texted it to you guys immediately and we were all freaking out over it. This is this image of the Knights of Ren. Um, just, it, there's like four of them all standing in a line. It's kind of a side shot with a good close up where you get to see uh, a, a better look at some of their helmet designs. Um, and it looks like the environment around them is kind of smoky, like maybe they've just fired their blasters and executed somebody or something. I mean, it looks like they're all, they don't have their weapons drawn. You can kind of see uh, parts of like weapons that they're kind of holding down in front of them. Um, but then this smoky air in front of them makes it look like they might be uh, standing in the aftermath of a battle or something like that. But man, just such a cool image. And I know I say it every time we bring these guys up, but I just cannot wait to see these guys in action in the movie. Uh, just see them on screen, see them in some action scenes, find out more about their backstory and where they come from, and just pray they don't get the phasma treatment. I had to throw that jab in there. Huh? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not he even trying. To. I'm not even trying to take a jab at phasma. I'm just really hoping that they don't do the same thing with the Knights of Ren. Like, mm -hmm. no disrespect to Captain I Phasma, know. just just do these guys more justice than you did her. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. in this one, because there's no movie after this, at least with after the force awakens, Phasma got another shot in the last Jedi and she got her action sequence. But with the Knights of Ren, this is probably going to be it at least for a while. Yeah, And it was a really cool action sequence. I liked it. It was fine. <laughs> Maybe a little too short, it, but that's the problem. It was fine. <laughs> See, uh, I, can't, I cannot wait for our commentary for the last Jedi. <laughs> oh, back and forth so much. <laughs> yeah, get your popcorn oh, for just, that one. <laughs> it's gonna. It's not gonna be as bad as you think. Are you honestly, it's not gonna be as bad as you think. There's gonna be moments you're gonna want to throw things at me, but there's gonna be yeah. moments you, you saying <laughs> it's like we found one yeah. right here. Though. Well, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's not gonna be. It's obviously not gonna be like a roasting session or us having you know a screaming match over the whole thing. But it's, I will say, I think our our last Jedi commentary is gonna be a lot more divided than pretty much any of the other ones we've done so far. No, I yeah, yeah exactly. But the the Knights of Ren picture is amazing. I I really do love that we're getting the, these guys finally. But the weird thing is, I just, I know Ryan didn't have a place for them in the movie, but again, just even in The Force Awakens, I'm not going to let J.J. off the hook either. I feel they could have really done a, a better job of developing and really anticipating these characters coming into the third film. I'm not even saying put them in the movie in an action sequence, but show them and, and build them up as like big, big time characters and... They don't really do that, and they're not even mentioned in the second film. And then the third film, they're they're finally in. So, but I, I think we'll get a good explanation for why that is. 
Again, I, I think so. I think they will be. I think they will have been off on some mission, or you know, looking for something, or, or doing something specific. And we'll, I think, we'll find out exactly why this is the first time they're being brought back into the fold. Yeah, and I don't, and I hope that hasn't been revealed or hasn't leaked or anything. Because I really want to. Again, I don't. Don't leave me any hints if you guys know. I know. I know I'm I go in. clear from all that stuff too now. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm just staying. I'm, I, I'm trying to forget things, and thankfully, yeah. I'm forgetting things because, because again, it's, it's what I said before. If you don't make a big deal of something you read, unless it's like a gigantic spoiler, which again, those aren't going to be out there necessarily out in the open. But even little things, if you don't make a big deal of little things, like the little like alien guy. I just saw glimpses of him. I don't even know what he looks like, really. So you said he's really small, and I'll probably forget about it because I have because I didn't make a big deal of seeing him. I went, oh, just not gonna think about it, and I just totally forgot already. So I'm the more the more I make a less of a deal of these things that are revealed to me, the more things will I'll forget about it, and the more I'll be surprised when I sit down in the theater and go, oh yeah, that oh that means oh cool, it'll just be way more revealing to me. But with the Knights of Ren. These guys look amazing. I I cannot wait to see them in action. I really hope they have a legitimate scene. I hope it's not a Boba Fett in the Sarlacc pit scene. I don't mind one getting I you know iced like that. That's fine. But I know I you want to see legit. one get taken out by three PO with the bowcaster. I still think That's even right one I would do. be an insult. <laughs> no, that'd be amazing. But I will say that one. will be better than Boba going down with the Sarlacc pit the way he exactly. Did. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you. No, but yeah, to echo what you guys said about the image of the Knights of Rent is so cool. And to me, that just screams the word knights <laughs> more so than any mm-hmm. other piece of promotional art or image we've seen of them. Just the way they're posed or lined up, they just look like medieval knights there. It just looks so cool. But in regards to that Kylo Ren image of that big blue glow and knocking over the stormtroopers and him holding his crown, I actually don't think that's a ship of any kind. You know, I said this before when we're talking about D23 and the new footage we got, how there was some other, they showed some more footage that wasn't released where we showed, they showed Vader's helmet again that had this blue like glow or energy to it. And I just think that's connected to Palpatine. I think this image right here with Kylo could be maybe involving Palpatine where he's making his presence known for the first time and just big amounts, massive amount of force energy knocks down the, Stormtroopers, but Kylo's using the Force to hold his ground there, and just can just take everybody by surprise here. I think that could be a lot more cooler than you know just a ship going into hyperspace from you know a Star Destroyer hangar, which is, you know, we've seen little bits and pieces of stuff like that already. Um, the Falcon going out of hyperspace when in the Force Awakens, uh, or uh, Han's uh, ship that he had, and then even Finn and escaping the first order star destroyer in the tie fighter they didn't go into hyperspace but it's still kind of a ship leaving a hangar so i just think this is going to be something different where it involves palpatine or someone with the force where maybe he's not the physical manifestation of palpatine but his energy or his essence is making itself known here we might not even see him maybe we'll just hear his voice have this big massive force energy glow hmm. or something to that effect but i think that could be really cool but it is an awesome looking image though yeah for sure yeah, I don't know. I hadn't really considered that with Palpatine. I mean, just the fact that it's kind of just in the middle of a, a Star Destroyer hangar, I would think if Palpatine was going to come back out of some portal or in a big burst of energy or something, you would think it would either be like in the Death Star wreckage or in some kind of temple or something, but I don't but know. But if it is somehow connected to Vader's helmet, 
that we've kind of speculated on. It could be Vader's helmet that's lying there or something that Kylo Ren was bringing out. And it just, you know, yeah, that's what, maybe that's what it comes out of it. So I don't know, but it's cool to think about. Yeah. I mean, again, obviously one of the biggest, if not the biggest question going into the movie, just how the heck is Palpatine back? Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to find that out. I actually have a theory, though. Not a theory about the movie, like about the actual movie itself. I think we may be surprised. I think we might. Uh, let me put it this way. If Palpatine is actually coming back in physical form in the movie, I think there's a chance that we might actually see him in the next trailer. Um, because I think we'll, uh, it might end on that. It ended with his laugh in the first teaser. This one, it might end with a quick glimpse of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, in the, the final trailer yeah. for The Last Jedi, there was some stuff in there that at the time seemed like it was mind-blowing, like seeing Kylo taking aim at the ship with Leia on it and, like, pausing his finger on the trigger. Or at the end of the trailer, when you see Rey confronting Snoke and him, like, torturing her, that was all kind of stuff that I was like holy crap, I'm surprised that they showed us that. And yet there was still so much in the movie that, you know, was even more mind-blowing than that. Um, you know, you kind of see some of those amazing moments in the trailer and go, wow, how can they top that? Or, wow, I'm surprised they they tipped their hand and revealed that. And it was like, oh, don't worry. It's because we've got way more surprises in store for when you actually see the movie. So I think we may actually get a little bit of a tease of Palpatine or, or – get like a little bit of an answer as to that question of like how much of him are we going to see or what form is he coming back in and then still the how and why and the where he goes from there is still going to be the stuff that um you know they save for the movie and it just blows us away even more um but we'll find out when we actually get the trailer and like i said that just based on previous track records should be within the next couple weeks but we'll see um yep but uh, so that's pretty much it for the Rise of Skywalker stuff. We also got a new image from the Mandalorian, and this was courtesy of IGN. Uh, they posted a really cool new image of just the Mandalorian in the cockpit of his ship, the Razor Crest, um, along with a pretty lengthy interview with Dave Filoni. And I haven't actually had a chance to read this whole thing yet. It's pretty long. I think I read about half of it. Um, and then skimmed over the rest of it as we were getting ready to record. But there's not really a whole lot of new information in here about the show and, you know, not really any like new story or character details or anything. Um, but I still probably will go back and read this entire thing at some point just because it's always cool to hear Dave Filoni talk Star Wars. And he's talking more about kind of the behind the scenes process of making the show and about the lessons that he learned from George on working on Clone Wars and some of the like the digital techniques that he learned from shooting like Clone Wars and Rebels and ways that they're incorporating that into uh, the live action side of things with these VR cameras and then like lessons that he learned working with John Favreau and you know from that all the way to things that influence the Mandalorian and that influenced the original trilogy stuff like old Westerns and samurai movies and stuff like that. So just a really cool article, uh, to read if you like learning about just the behind the scenes process, or if you're huge Dave Filoni fans like we are, and you just want to hear whatever that guy has to say about star Wars. Um, 
but also just a really cool looking image here. And one thing that I don't think I realized, I'm sure we probably talked about this back when like they made some of the initial announcements about the Mandalorian, but I had either missed this or just forgotten about it. Now, I think part of the reason this looks so good and that the whole look of the show is so appealing to me is that the guy who was the cinematographer, I believe his name's Greg Frazier. He was the cinematographer for Rogue One and he is the cinematographer for the Mandalorian as well. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, no wonder it has that same kind of Rogue One style look of like feeling like classic Star Wars, but also kind of like a new and fresh and updated version of it. And just everything just looks really, really good. Um, and this shot of him in the cockpit of his ship is no exception. So, um, gosh, everything we see and hear about the show just gets me more and more excited. And I think we haven't seen enough yet. Uh, as far as like, like even the trailer that we got at D23 didn't really give away any story details. So there's nothing that's leaving me like hanging on the edge of my seat. Like, oh, I got to see this or I got to find this out. It's all just basically like cool Star Wars imagery that makes me go, I'm going to check that out. But I've got a feeling that once we've seen the entire show that this is might be some of my favorite Star Wars in a long time. I don't want to make too many bold predictions because again, like we haven't seen much of it and... You know, I'm going to wait till I see the actual show, but I think this is shaping up to be something really special. Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, we talked about how awesome it looks and just for a TV show, how <laughs> the quality just feels like you're watching a Star Wars movie just without trailers. So totally in agreement with there. everything. This man, this again, just continues to blow me away. Just like we were talking about the Rise of Skywalker, everything we read or a new image like that one we got of him just sitting in the cockpit of the Razor Crest, it just looks so cool and just keeps looking better and better. We're getting both this year in the span of one month from each other. This continues to amaze and blow me away. I mean, we're, we're talking about how Star Rise of Skywalker is two months away. We're getting the Mandalorian just a little over a month. I mean, it's insane. And it's just insane of how great it looks and just how close we are to actually seeing this. And as much as we're excited about all the new information, trailers and pictures we get, pretty soon we're going to be seeing full episodes in a little bit and we're just going to be blown away because if these images are any indication and in the, the, how the series is going to be like he's like you said kyle like you've been saying for a while now paul this could be something special and just another great addition to have to the saga so yeah just bring it on <laughs> we're so close i think that the mandalorian is such I, i've said it for a long time i've been i've been pounding the drum for yeah, star wars has, on tv is going to be the next the next is going to be star wars pretty much and I just, I just think the Mandalorian is gonna is a game changer. I just really, I really think it's gonna bring a whole new audience to Star Wars, or not even a whole new audience. That's not even the right, the right word I'm looking for. It's gonna bring a whole new idea to Star Wars that people, it's gonna make people excited for it again, in a in a way that people, the mainstream audience wasn't expecting, and it's gonna again, it's gonna be appointment television for not just for people like Game of Thrones. And I keep bringing up Game of Thrones because that was appointment television. Everyone had to get in front of a TV to watch it. I just feel that this is gonna be that, but with families, and they're gonna be they're all gonna be saying, Oh, mom, dad, we gotta watch this. We gotta watch the man worrying. You know, I gotta watch it so I can talk about it the next day with my friends at school. And and it's gonna be something that it's Star Wars, so it's gonna be something that mom and dad already are familiar with already, or whatever, or you know, does that, does that make sense? That's where I think the appeal is going to be in the show. And the show just looks, everything I'm hearing or seeing about it just 
seems phenomenal. Kyle, I didn't, I, I may have heard that the Rogue One guy was a part of it or was in charge of photography or whatever. But the fact you, I, I, I totally forgot if I did. And I am so stoked because I thought Rogue One looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and and now let's not, let's give Gareth Edwards some credit. That's not just, you know, the, the guy helped out obviously and had a hand in it, but Gareth did a good job too. And, and probably had a, a lot to say about what he wanted and helped capture that vision. But still the fact that they got that guy who seemed, he really seemed to get a different side of star Wars that we're not used to seeing, but made it still star Wars. I thought was a very, is, is, is actually really critical. And I think that the styles are, is, is such a drastic style. It's different than other star Wars films that getting that guy to do the Mandalorian was a solid, smart move because you you already know this guy gets the he he's done star wars before but he also has successful star wars behind him meaning that he put out material that fans they accepted what he did and how he did it and there was no complaints about this doesn't look star wars to me there that was not a complaint about rogue one people complain about rogue one for different reasons but that was not a reason and I think that he caught the essence of Star Wars, but with while also driving his own vision and own ideas and, and nuances and whatnot. So that's really exciting. I think having that w- combined with the visions of Dave Filoni and the other directors like Bryce Dallas Howard, Taika Waititi, and everyone else um, involved, and, and obviously John Favreau. These are all things that were important to them, and they and John Favreau picking him to be that head person. Pretty big move, in my opinion, and I think a smart move. So, and it obviously there might be the reason why is because it's a grittier series, and that's what this guy's known for. So, yeah, this is I'm telling you, this is going to be appointment television for for families, not just for Star Wars fans. It's going to be appointment television for families, and it's going to be a big thing for a younger audience, and I think for families to sit down together and watch things together. So, and again. I, I don't have kids yet, but I imagine having, you know, for something to get your the whole family around that all wants to watch the same thing together. I'm assuming that's been like it's it's the same thing for it's always been since the end of time. Getting the kid, getting the kids all together in the same room, or getting the kid to watch something with you that you know they want to watch and you want to watch is is kind of hard at times, you know. And I think Star that's what I think what makes Star Wars special. It made special for me. That's how I first watched it was my with my family. So imagine instead of having one film to watch a year, you have to watch a, a Star Wars episode every week with your family, like it's a Star Wars film, and mm-hmm. that's that important. That's what the Mandalorian's going to introduce to, I think, the audiences. It's instead of having that, oh, let's go to the, let's go to when the Marvel or Star Wars film comes out, Disney Plus, and I think specifically more so Star Wars and the Marvel, because Marvel's going to put out like 500 million series, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I think Star Wars will have a little more specialness to it because I think there's only going to be one or two series a year, if that, you know. So, I think that's what's going to be special about the Mandalorian. It's going to be like a once, a, you know, a once a week, really special thing for families to go do together because Star Wars used to come out once a year or every three years. Now it's coming out once a week to sit down with your family and watch something that's really cool like The Mandalorian. I'm telling you, it's going to this is going to be huge. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, just from the stuff that we've seen so far, it does look like it's a little darker, a little grittier, maybe a little violent. And so I don't know if this is something that you'd want to watch uh with like younger kids and i definitely wouldn't describe this as like a family show but at the same time like you said it's star wars and i think it 
for one thing, I think this is going to appeal to a lot of the older fans and the fans that want, you know, something darker and grittier or something more like the original trilogy or, you know, those fans that like the cool, you know, bounty hunters and stuff like that. I think it's going to appeal to that section of fans. But also, like you said, I think it's just going to be. I mean, because it's got the Star Wars name attached to it and because everything that we've seen so far looks like this is going to be really good, it could generate that Game of Thrones level of hype, but be something that you can watch with your families. Because obviously no one in their right mind is watching Game of Thrones with their 10-year-old. But, you know, especially like if you have older kids, like, you know, 8, 9, 10, whatever, like I would probably watch them, let them, Mandal let them watch The Mandalorian with me if I had kids that age. So, um you know, it may not be like for all ages or, you know, I wouldn't describe it as a family show, but it's definitely something that families will be able to enjoy. Um, so, yeah, I, I just can't wait to see, uh, you know, when this thing gets released and see the reaction to it and uh, just get to finally experience this. Because um, I don't know that we'll get a whole lot more from The Mandalorian as far as like trailers and stuff. I mean, we might get something like leading right up to it. But I mean, I know for TV shows, they don't necessarily always do like a, you know, as big of a marketing push or as many trailers and stuff as movies do. Um, and of course they ne don't necessarily want to overshadow rise of Skywalker either. And we're getting a big trailer for that coming out pretty soon. So we'll see if we end up getting any more trailers or anything for the Mandalorian, or if you know what we've got is what we got. And then we all just get to be surprised on November 12th. But uh, regardless, I'm, Definitely looking forward to uh, just finally getting to experience that. Yeah, um, that is it for the promotion for the Mandalorian. That's pretty much all we need as far as selling yeah. it. So that is going to be something really great. So yeah, I feel like I feel like that's all I need right now. Um, again, like I said, we don't really know anything about like story details or like sort of how the story is going to progress over the course of the season. But I don't need to know that right now. Like. It's Star Wars. I've seen enough to know that it looks cool. My butt's going to be on my couch watching it day one, whether they give us another trailer or not. So for now, I'm good. Exactly. Um, but speaking of TV series and another upcoming live action Star Wars series, of course, we know that we're getting uh, Ewan McGregor returning in an Obi-Wan uh, series. Um, and they've announced some of the uh, the production crew behind that series. Um the lead writer and director um and of course we know that uh deborah chow is one of the directors on the mandalorian um i think she's doing i don't know if one or two episodes but um they've basically given her the reins on this obi-wan series um and so it sounds like she's going to be directing all the episodes or i don't know if she'll be maybe more of like a showrunner or supervising director type role but um Again, from what they've announced here, it sounds like I'm assuming she's just going to be directing all the episodes. Um, and from what we've heard, it sounds like the Obi-Wan series is going to be more of a limited thing. So maybe like six episodes and it'll probably only be one season. Um, but yeah, they've basically handed her the directing reins on that. And then um, also the lead writer is, gosh, I'm trying to find his name here in the article now. Um Hossein Amini. Um, yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't know if I could pronounce it right, but I think you did a fine job right there. Yeah, and he wrote uh, The Alienist and Drive, um, which I'm not I'm not really familiar with The Alienist, but I've seen Drive, and I know that's like a really critically acclaimed movie. Um, and then also just in this uh, 
press release here, there's a statement from, from Kathleen Kennedy talking about Deborah Chow, and it says, we really wanted to select a director who's able to explore both the quiet determination and rich mystique of Obi-Wan in a way that folds seamlessly into the Star Wars saga. Based on her phenomenal work developing our characters in The Mandalorian, I'm absolutely confident that Deborah is the right director to tell this story. So, I mean, me personally, I'm not super familiar with her work, but I am glad that this is someone with some Star Wars experience, and obviously she got to kind of get her feet wet with a couple episodes of The Mandalorian, and they seems like they were really impressed with her work on that. Um, and so I'm confident that they've made a good choice in uh, picking someone that's going to do a great job uh, telling the story of Obi-Wan. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to see uh, what she's able to do with that. Tim, wasn't Deborah Chow the uh, one of the people on uh, Jessica Jones? Yep, that's yeah, so, so far the only thing I've seen her direct. But yeah, and I want to say, didn't she sign a big deal with like Warner Brothers? That I'm I think, not sure on. I think she worked on Defenders. I think she worked on, if I'm not mistaken, she worked on Jessica Jones and the the Defenders, and then she moved on to The Mandalorian for a couple episodes. And and to be honest, I I think this person she's done a, a lot of good work. I know Jessica Jones has wasn't my favorite of the Netflix series, but I definitely feel that it, there were some great moments in that series for sure. But just like all the Netflix series, with the exception of Daredevil, there's way too long. And you know that's that's where my main criticism of that stuff would be. But she, I mean, there was a lot of great episodes in that first season, even though I didn't love every episode, there were definitely some great episodes. And I know she was a part of that, uh, with Mandalorian. I, I think that again, all the directors they chose for that seemed like legit and awesome, obviously. So there's, I, I like you said, Kyle, I think this is going to be a more of a limited series than anything. It's not going to be a reoccurring. Well, that never say never, I guess, but I don't think it's going to be a, a series that we're going to see like multiple seasons in, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one and done. And again, yeah, I don't remember if they officially announced that it was going to be a limited series or if that was just kind of like did. the rumor or the word on the street. But yeah, that's what I'm assuming. If they've announced this lady as the director of all the episodes, it's probably only going to be four to six episodes, which is fine. I don't, yeah. if, if anything with hindsight has taught us, is that with Netflix and the Marvel series and being a die hard Marvel fan, as you guys know me, there was a re there, there was a lot of fair criticism of the, again, the Netflix shows being way too long, 13 episodes, way too long for those characters. With the exception of Daredevil, I, even Daredevil dragged at moments here or there. Even, and I think Daredevil was one, Maybe by one. But yeah. <laughs> but no, no, that's what I'm saying. It, it, again, I mean, that's me being, ultra critical because I love Daredevil. He's one of my favorite superheroes ever. And I thought the Daredevil's Netflix series were amazing. Yeah. So, but, and that, that being said, I will, I could, you, if you have gun to my head, I'd be like, yeah, they'd be a little bit long, but at the same time, I'd say they, they worked, but for the most part, you can tell a, a, a nice content, a condensed story in six episodes or five episodes. And I thought, yeah, and especially a story that was originally supposed to be a movie. Right. And, uh, and what I also have to say too, is with the defenders, I, I, a lot of people didn't like that, but it was a short for what? Six episodes. I think Kyle. I think or, it was uh, eight. Ten? I think yeah. It was, eight. it was eight, something like that. So, and I felt eight, it was a good solid eight episodes. I liked the defenders fine. And I, the reason I bring that up again, is because I think she was involved in it. But secondly, 
it wasn't as long as the other ones. And I thought it got done and it really told a great con, uh, con, concise story that wasn't dragging as much as the, their most of the other uh, people's series was or had done. So with this, I think that if you told a story or told the story in like six episodes, I'd be fine with that. I don't need, you know, it's like my friend said, all killer, no filler. Right. So I, that's what I want. And I, I think with, 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 Ewan McGregor, he's, I mean, he's not like a big, 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 big time actor, but he's a pretty well-known actor and he's working a lot and does a lot of different things. So I don't think he's going to want to do Obi-Wan Kenobi more than just a little bit. I think he's doing this for, for more, I mean, obviously he's doing it for a paycheck and all that jazz, but I mean, he's also doing it, I think, because he knows the fans want it. The, Lucasfilm knows we want it. So... I, I think that that's it's kind of like saying thank you to the fans, and we'll see what happens. I mean, if it's gigantically huge and it resurrects his career to, to like superstardom, which you never know could happen, but just saying that it, I, unless it's just a gigantic runaway hit that they did not even see remotely coming, that they underestimated the fact that Obi Wan was huge, it's probably not going to get more than one season. And I don't think I, I here's the thing too. Do we need more than one season? I'm curious what you both think. I I could take it if they have the right story, but if they gave me one good four-hour miniseries of Obi-Wan um, and slash Ewan McGregor in, in the wilderness, and now also not to mention, if you saw this on Twitter, Josh Horowitz, who's on the who's MTV related and does all the interviews and all that stuff, he was talking to Joel uh, Edgerton. I'm so bad with names. I apologize. Uh, did I say that name right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, with all that said, he Horowitz apparently asked him straight up, hey, are you involved in Obi-Wan? And he said he, he knows the speak, and he was coyly avoiding confirming anything. Hmm. And, and so he said— Confirming by not confirming? <laughs> yeah, and, and what Horowitz said was, I he did not tell me outright, and I could tell he was just the way he was talking— I'm almost certain that he's involved in the Obi-Wan movie in the Obi-Wan miniseries. So, I mean, I, I think I, it makes too much sense exactly. to have him in there he's for a, him not to be. He's, he's a well-known actor and yeah. he's not only that, but like Owen Lars is a huge character for Luke and Obi-Wan. And, and even the comics have touched on that. And I think that having that dynamic would be so really, really fun to watch come out and, and see that, that, interaction with Luke and, and Owen meaning something when he says, I told you to forget about it or, or not that, but he's talking about his father. But when he says that's just crazy old wizard and he tries to like, okay, don't, don't play that, you know, kind of a thing. It, whatever. Or, you know, he does, he does tell him to forget it. Right. He says, yeah, I told you to forget it. Yeah. I told you to forget it. Like, well, I think, so I, I think that is when he's talking about his father, but he does say, yeah, he's like, Oh, that wizard's just a crazy old man. So yeah, there is some kind of history there. Um, yes. Yeah. So I but, think that I think, all that being said, I'm, I'm curious if you want, if you'd want to see that more than one season, or would you want one good season or two solid okay seasons? No, I want one good season, and that's it. Especially yeah. considering that this was supposed to be a movie. Again, I think this is something that will. I think you can get enough story out of it to make a you know a good one-off standalone story. Um, but you can't make this an ongoing series. I mean, that's not Obi-Wan's story. He's not the hero anymore. Like, the whole point is that he's supposed to be, 
I mean, he didn't like give up on the force or, you know, turn his back on the Jedi or anything, but he's like the Jedi are gone. His time is passed. Now all he's doing is protecting Luke and making sure that that baton gets passed to the next generation, which we then, of course, see him do in A New Hope. Now, I'm excited to see what they can do with a limited series showing, you know, it'd be cool just to kind of revisit the character and show what his life is like on Tatooine. And then some of the stuff we talked about back when it got announced, you know, stuff that we were excited for, like maybe getting to see him training in the force with Qui-Gon and Yoda, or maybe going on like a one-off adventure or fighting some Tusken Raiders or a crate dragon or something like that. But we don't need to see an ongoing series of like the adventures of Obi-Wan Kenobi because his life is supposed to be kind of mundane. Like he's given up that adventurous life to just protect Luke. He's putting all his eggs in that one basket now. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think the more seasons they get, the more tempted they would be to take him off Tatooine just to change things up mm-hmm. and not have it be on the same location every season. And, you know, that's my big thing about this period of Obi-Wan's life, how he does not leave Tatooine because he's there to protect Luke unless unless Luke leaves Tatooine. But, you know, judging by how Luke acts and what he says in New Hope, that's not the case. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they could do two. But if it's just a one and done and it's absolutely fantastic and it's everything that we're expecting to be expecting it to be, then I'd be totally okay with that. Like you said, Kyle, we were just expecting a two hour movie and now we're going to get possibly a four to six hour Obi-Wan story. And that's more than what I could ever have asked for regarding more adventures of Obi-Wan in live action played by Ewan McGregor. So, yeah, I won't complain if it's just one amazing season. But I will say going back to Deborah Chow being named the director for the series. As much as I'm excited to hear, you know, the people who are going to be involved as the creative team behind Obi-Wan, hearing Deborah Chow's name actually just made me more excited to see her episodes of The Mandalorian because mm. her, they must have really left an impression on Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm to have her take the reins for the Obi-Wan series. So I just, I mean, we all know the directors involved in The Mandalorian, they're all great. And that was one of the big highlights when we first got that announcement and that got us excited. But now that uh, one of the directors moving on to the Obi-Wan series, like those are the episodes I want to see the most now, <laughs> just, you know, to see what she's going to bring, not only to the Mandalorian, but once we see her episodes, they'll probably just get us more excited for about what she's going to do with Obi-Wan too. So and I do like the idea that it is someone who has experienced Star Wars or working on Star Wars in live action. And now they're just kind of pulling from that pool, I guess, for those who are, you know, it's, not too many people are going to have that experience since it is the first Star Wars live action TV series with the Mandalorian. But the fact they're kind of using those same people, I think is going to be good for uh, the other Star Wars live action series to come down the line if they kind of use um, some people that they're already working on it. So I just think it's a great choice all the way around. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, that's pretty much all the news regarding the Rise of Skywalker, the Mandalorian, the Kenobi series. Um, so let's just get into some of this other stuff. Like we have mentioned several times already, Triple Force Friday is coming up in just a couple days. Uh, they did a big live stream event where they were showing off some of the new products and the toys and stuff with like cast members from the movie and from The Mandalorian and with uh, Cameron Monaghan, or I forget if it's Monaghan or Monaghan, uh, who plays um, Cal Kestis in Jedi Fallen Order. Um And uh, I'm not even going to bother, you know, listing all the products and all the stuff that's going to be available because obviously there's everything from watches and T-shirts and lunchboxes to action figures and uh, Lego sets and all that kind of stuff. 
there is a pretty comprehensive list on StarWars.com if you want to check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what were what were some of the things for you guys that caught your eye, or you know, obviously I know we can't buy everything. So if you're if you're planning on picking up anything for Triple Force Friday, what's the stuff that's kind of catching your eye right now? Yeah, for me, as far as toys go, it's going to be a few of the Black Series figures. Definitely, if I can find them, that is. <laughs> I haven't had much success with Triple Force Friday um, or launch days when it comes to these action figures, but I get them eventually. But definitely want to get the Mandalorian. Definitely got to want to get a Purge Trooper. I didn't even realize they were going to be part of the line until you sent me that image of it. That looks awesome. <laughs> so those are my pickup, the uh, second sister and um, a Sith Trooper depending how much I spend on <laughs> for Triple Force Friday. But I'm also going to get a few pops um, that don't have an image of her yet on StarWars.com, but I definitely want one as far as the Rise of Skywalker characters, one of Zori. Um, you know how much I already love her helmet design, and mm. she, I think, make for a great pop. Also, the Mandalorian, I'll probably get that pop as well. And then the only other things I'm hopeful for getting is just checking out stores like Walmart, Target, Kohl's, to see what new... Rise of Skywalker or Mandalorian t-shirts that are going to be available. That's always the main thing, actually, more than the figures that I'm excited to get is uh, the cool t-shirts that come out on Triple Force Friday as well. So that's some of the stuff I'll be looking for when I do my shopping on Triple Force Friday and over the weekend as well. Yeah, this is something that I'm kind of, I really don't know what to expect on Friday. I I took work off, much to chagrin of my my boss who has been guilting me about it ever since there's a lot going on this week. That's why. And he keeps saying, Oh, I should never let you off Friday. I'm like, you just get over it. So anyway, um, he's my buddy. We're good. But it's funny that I, I, I look at Friday and I can't help, but just not know what to expect because the first first Friday was really insane because there was not a lot of product out on the shelves. The Toys R Us I went to for midnight madness, they sold out within like a second. <laughs> they did not anticipate enough stuff or did not anticipate the people that were coming. And then the next year for Rogue One, it was, I came in, the, I went in the morning and they had, and my target was a little more organized and they had stuff right out in the front. I got, I got a bunch of stuff. Got, it wasn't as much stuff as the Force Awakens, but I, I got a lot of toys and I had a lot of fun with that. And then The Last Jedi, it was a little bit smaller. I went at midnight. There were a few people there. Again, there wasn't a lot of product really when I went out there. I got, um, I got some the um, the Target exclusive trooper, and then actually actually I gave it to a, a guy who went there just for that. And I I, I had it in my hands like you know man here you go and I gave it to him. I felt bad, and I and then and then ironically I I, I found the same trooper uh, when I went down the toy aisle a different time like that night. So I was like oh there they go meant to be karma right. You reap what you sow. But my, my point is, it just wasn't as, again, it just wasn't as stocked up as you would expect it to be. And then Solo, there was like a kind of an opening, but it was a very, not a very well advertised or anything. But I could not find toys anywhere. Anywhere. Just, not because they, just, just because they didn't wait. They just put them out. And if they did, they were already sold. And I couldn't find anything. And I was really bummed out. So with all that being said, uh, I just don't know what to expect on Triple Force Friday. And none of the Walmarts in my area are doing Midnight Madness. So that means that they get or up Target, early. Target, I believe. So. Yeah, Target, yeah. The Toys R Us gone. There's, yeah. there's no Midnight Madness. Mm. Yeah, so so here's the problem. How much 
I mean, I'm going to get there. I expect to get a lot of stuff, but I don't really know what I'm going to get or how much they're going to have out. And I know obviously Walmart is going to have a, a, a display and everything, but I really hope if it's, they really hope they have the product to back up everything. And cause I want to get a, a Mandalorian. I want to get a Sith trooper. I want to get a, a seventh sister or whatever the sister that is. And, you know, I want to get a bunch of stuff, but I just don't know if they're going to have enough product for me unless I get up super early, which I plan on getting there early, to be honest. And I'm just like, I just don't know if, if it's going to be the if I'm going to get what I need. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm very, very apprehensive, to be honest, because because right now we haven't really been given a lot and targets that I'm depending on haven't really stocked up that much. And then other places that I've gone to and been able to score some cool Star Wars stuff on Force Fridays, they haven't been participating really at all. And so I just don't know what to do. I'm like, I don't know. So it's frustrating, to be honest. It really is. And I'm really hoping that these Targets and the Walmarts, they really stock up so they have plenty of product. I just don't see it happening. And I'll, I'll tell you what. What I want to come out with is mostly, more than anything, is I, I got to come out with a Mandalorian Black Series figure. I got to come out with a Seven Sister figure. Um, I'm trying to think. Of the, I, I want to get an off-world Jawa figure, and then I might get one of the Seven Sister or Second Sister, whatever one that is, and figure. And I'm maybe good with that. I want to get a Kylo as well, but you know, a Sith Trooper maybe. I don't know. It's just a lot of different things. I just don't know what I'm going to get, and I just because I just don't know what's going to be available, but absolutely i have to have it thing is definitely the mandalorian black series i've got to get one of those and i'm praying they just stock up i hope i hope what they do if because we see those different variations of, of the black series boxes like the stupid white boxes and the copper boxes like this is so stupid right what yeah. i'm hoping here's what i'm hoping though what i'm hoping is that they that it gives the, the store incentive to buy these extra ones and also have the other ones, so there's more. It entices the, the places to buy more. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so they have like more figures just in different packaging. Exactly. So that way they feel like, oh, we're gonna, you know, so that way the, the people who like want to grab everything, they you know, they can't grab everything all at once. They have to grab one thing at a time, and they'll probably go to the exclusive, special ones. And I could give a crap about those. So as long as I get the Mandalorian and the figures that I want, so what I'm hoping is these copper and white boxes that they're, these special stores are ordering, they'll order extra because of that. And that will kind of supplant the collectors, uh, help the collector people, and then help the people like me who just want to get the figures to display and play with them when no one's watching. <laughs> um, and, so, and everything. Will you play but, with uh, your dolls again, sir? No! Not next time! <laughs> Not next time! I love you, Kyle. But yeah, so... That, that's the thing. I want I want to be able to get these figures, and I want to get not just figures, but I want to get sticker books, and I want to have it all out and have plenty of out there and have fun and not have to rush because that's the thing too. I had to rush for Force Awakens. I had to rush for Last Jedi. I had to rush for Rogue One, and I'm hoping to go in and just calmly come in, grab my figures, and leave instead of having to run around everywhere. And I, and the only way you do that is if you have plenty of product. The one time, the one time I had plenty of product, I will say is Rogue One. They had they had all the display figures out. We all went over there. We were a little, we walked kind of quickly, but we all once we got there, we were able to kind of okay, it's all right here. I got that one. I got that one. Cool, cool, cool. It was good. I was out. So I'm hoping it's like that. They'll have a, a big area right in the front. We'll go in there. We'll grab our stuff and we'll leave. So that's what I'm hoping. But I'm also not holding my breath either. 
Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I'm right there with you, Paul. Like, if there's anything, and I don't spend a whole lot on collecting nowadays anyways, but if I'm going to get one thing, it's going to be the Mandalorian Black Series figure. Um, so I'm just hoping that I can find that. I mean, the stores that I, like, I haven't even been hunting for specific figures or anything recently, but, like, every time I go to Target, I'll walk by there and see if there's anything new. And the ones by me, they still got the stuff from Solo or The Last Jedi, um, you know, and there's been some newer ones. Like I know Target had like an exclusive General Grievous and they've come out with some other ones like, uh, you know, Mace Windu and Padawan Obi-Wan and stuff that, um, you know, again, I wasn't like specifically looking for, but I'd be like, oh, it would be cool if I found those. Never seen them. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that, you know, I'll probably maybe check one or two stores, um, and hopefully I can find that Mandalorian figure. Honestly, for me, like, the stuff that they released from, or that they're releasing from the Rise of Skywalker, so, like, the new Rey and Kylo and the Sith Trooper and stuff, and then, uh, like, Cal and the Seventh Sister and the Purge Trooper from Jedi Fallen Order, I kind of want to wait, like, to play the game and see the movie, and then if those characters, like, leave a lasting impression on me, and I go, oh, that character was really cool, like, oh, man, the Seventh Sister was, like, a or... Is seventh sister, second sister, whichever sister she is. Like, if she was a really second. cool, yeah, if she's a really cool bad guy, then maybe I'll want that figure. Or if Cal is a really cool character, then maybe I'll want that figure. Um, but of all the ones, you know, this early in the game, the Mandalorian is the one that I'm like, nah, that one's going to be cool regardless. I won't have buyer's remorse picking that one up. Um, so I think you say the same for the Purge Trooper after reading them in the Vader comics anyway. So. That's true. We <laughs> do already no have some context them. to know that those guys are pretty cool. And it's just an awesome looking figure anyways. Um, yeah, but it's going to go nice with my Dead Troopers Black Series figure. Yeah. No, they definitely have some cool looking figures coming out for sure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I guess for all of you that are going out looking for stuff on Friday, happy hunting. Um, be sure to you know hit us up on Twitter and uh, share your loot with us if you're able to find any of these figures or whatever and show us what you got. Um, but also, I just wanted to kind of segue into talking about Jedi Fallen Order since they uh, showed a new trailer for it on that live stream as well where they were showing off all the new products and stuff. Um, and I would say this is probably our best look yet at uh, just some of the different environments and creatures and, and boss battles and stuff that uh, we'll be seeing in the game. Um, I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff in here. I should have gone back and watched it again before we recorded. I didn't have time to do that, but I just remember, I know for a fact, there's like quite a few like big creatures that you see Cal fighting. And it looks like there's going to be some crazy boss fights with not just the second sister and, you know, purge troopers and lightsaber duels and stuff, but, um, a lot of, you know, again, fighting big monsters and a lot of like environmental interaction and just traversing different planets and stuff like that. Um, so it looks really cool. I mean, this, and it feels weird to say, like, this seems like it's going to be the most, like, video gamey Star Wars game um, that we've ever had, if that makes any sense. Like, again, just seeing Cal fight giant monsters and stuff, like, it almost doesn't look like something out of Star Wars. It looks like something you'd see more in, like, a Zelda game or something like that. And they've talked about how um, they drew inspiration from a lot of other games like outside of star Wars, because they wanted to make not just a good star Wars game, but just a good video game in general. Um, I'm also very happy that they changed the look of the lightsaber. So it looks 
more like an actual lightsaber. It's got like the more white core and not like the kind of light bluish one that they had before. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just thought there was a lot of cool, exciting stuff in there. I'm still not like completely blown away, but I've, I definitely have seen enough that like, I mean, I've already pre-ordered the game and I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. I'm not convinced that it's going to be amazing, but I'm hoping it will be amazing and I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Yeah, for me, it was all about that giant bat creature in this trailer. <laughs> that sequence and fight looks awesome. Uh, it looks like a little... I said this before, too, even when we're talking about the clip of him going and climbing over the AT-18 and taking over. A little bit of Shadow Colossus, the PS2 game, where he's pretty much all just fighting big, gigantic monsters and making your way uh, to their weak points and taking them out. And this, this is another sequence that reminds me of that game, going flying with that gigantic bat creature and then uh like struggling to hang on and then it's like you're gonna be able to fight it on on ground while he's in the air this looks really really cool a cool design was it a different type of star wars creature that we haven't seen yet but looks really cool so just another cool added gameplay element that we can expect from jedi fallen order and then you throw that in with some more cool footage of him and the lightsaber with cal fighting the second sister um the graphics just look incredible even though you know, we haven't gotten our hands and played it about as far as how great the combat is, but man, it's going to look amazing. <laughs> but just from the trailer, it does seem like in, as we saw in that E3 gameplay footage, it does look like really smooth lightsaber combat. And again, of course, we won't know until we actually play it, but the trailers and footage that we've gotten so far in indication, I think it should make for a pretty darn fun lightsaber combat game that hopefully will be the best one we've ever gotten. Um, but yeah, it's looking really, really cool. I can't wait. That's just another thing to look forward to in November, <laughs> along with the Mandalorian and a bunch of other cool stuff coming. So yeah, sometimes I forget that this game because gets a little lost in the shuffle when you're just thinking about the Rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian. But this is another big release for Star Wars this year, and mm -hmm. it's right around the corner. So um, yeah, the more I once I remember and think about how close it is, the more excited I get about it. And this trailer was another reminder of that, of how cool and fun this game could be again like i've been i've been avoiding a lot of this stuff to, to want to enjoy the game as much as possible i know there's a, some bat creature but i have no indication of what it really looks like so again i've avoided trailers because oh, i'm wow, looking so forward to watch this one no i i'm i'm really i'm i'm as i've gotten more uh older a lot older and grumpy and bitter at life. <laughs> I think I've just kind of just, I'm done with trailers. I used to love, tra I still love trailers. I, I like the first one after that. I'm good. I, my buddy, Dave, AKA father's figures on Instagram. I, he, for years he hated trailers and I never understood it. I'm like, dude, it's so much fun to get excited about it. And I, I still have that, but I understand now more than ever what, why he did it. You just want to, you want to save as much as you can for the theater or the experience of the game or whatever. And that for me, it's just way more special to kind of everything hit you as newly in context as possible. And that with this game is that's what I want. So that's what I'm waiting for. I don't know what's going to, what, what I'm looking, I have no idea besides what I've seen from Celebration and a couple stills here or there people will keep posting, but I, I kind of overshoot it so I don't have to look at it. 
and I cannot wait to play this game in a few weeks. So because it will be here before we know it or a month or whatever. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, man, it's crazy because I just keep thinking about the stuff that's coming up in October. Like again, we got Force Friday, we got Resistance airing on Sunday, we've got you know, and then I'm just waiting for that Rise of Skywalker trailer to drop. That yeah, I forget that like the Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order. That stuff's like what six weeks away. Something like that. So, yeah, yeah, um, that is going to be here before you know it. Um, But, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to playing that game. Also, uh, carrying on with the video game news, um, you know, of course, Jedi Fallen Order is the upcoming thing. But we also just got a big new update for Battlefront 2. Just continuing its massive comeback story. Um, and we've got a new planet with Felucia, we've got clone commandos, we've got the co-op and instant action modes. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail on it because I think we talked about all this, uh, back at like Gamescom or whatever when they announced it. Um, but the stuff's out in the game now. So, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the experience of playing it, um, and I think we all did. Oh, that's right, Paul. You weren't on the chat with us, but you were in the party, and we did all get to play the co-op mode together. The three of us and my dad. Um, the co-op mode is a lot of fun, but I think the coolest experience is just playing as that new clone commando. But the coolest thing is when you play in a co-op squad, and all four of you are playing as commandos yes. and just <laughs> wrecking waves of battle droids. And I love that it's not just like a standard battle where there's a set number of units on each team. It's like you're trying to complete objectives, and there's just waves of enemies coming at you. So if you get some explosive weapons, it's so satisfying just getting kills upon kills. Um, I mean, I play as Anakin in that mode and I do the, you know, the heroic might where he does the big like 360 force push around him. And I think I got like 19 kills at once one time, um, <laughs> which, you know, in a normal match would be like the entire enemy team. But then seconds later, there were more droids coming at me and I ended up getting like 150 kills in that match or something like that. So it's just insane and it's a ton of fun. But yeah, man, being able to squad up as a whole you know four-man squad of clone commandos um is it honestly it's something i didn't realize i needed from this game like i was having a blast with it already but it's just it's so cool and it's funny like as much as i love doing that with like teaming up with you guys and playing with people that i know it's also really cool when you're in there with a, a team of random people that it just pairs you up with you're not talking to them you don't know who these people are so you're not really coordinating or anything and then at one point in the battle you spawn in as a clone commando you just run around and you realize that all your other teammates are also playing commandos and it just creates this cool camaraderie like all right this is my squad let's go boys <laughs> Yeah, I love this mode. I mean, I've only played it that one time with you guys, but right away I thought this is a great new mode. Um, the co-op aspect is really fun. I like that, you know, that it's just small base. It's just four players. But, of course, there's, you know, have AI allies, and then, of course, you're fighting AI enemies. But I just love that small, compact feeling you get of just playing four-player co-op. And like you said, Kyle, becoming a commando and just – there's when we played, we're on Felucia. It's that one cool visual. All of us were clone commandos holding this command pose, kind of like on a hill, and the battle droids coming up at you. We're just all standing in a line taking them out. It just looked really, really cool. And what I love about the co op mode is that it makes it a lot quicker and easier to be, you know, special forces like the commandos and the hero and villain characters that make it more fun. And it's not like it's any less challenging either because. 
Um, there were a few matches that we lost where you just get overpowered with <laughs> waves of enemies uh, keeping control of those uh, command posts. So it's not like you win every time just because you get to be these hero characters and support classes more frequently. But I just love the idea that I could finally be more hero characters and be commandos and death troopers and build those classes up too because uh, you guys know, especially my hero characters, they're not even double digits as far as their level goes. <laughs> I don't think any of them are. Maybe Captain Fafsa, but that might be it. But um, yeah, so it was lots of fun. And then Felucia looked really, really cool. Just another great prequel planet that got added to the game that looks amazing. So yeah, I think all around, just a great update with the new mode, the commandos and Felucia. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I've played the new modes a few times and I I love I love Battlefront. It's all I play, but uh, yeah, Felucia is amazing. It looks incredible. I just hope we keep updating the maps. And but one thing I did not like is combining strike and extraction together. Oh man, oh, oh, oh I, man. I imagine that's got to be painful for you when you just want to play was. extraction. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to play extraction. But they they're trying strike. to make it easier to find matches for you and the twelve other people that still play extraction. So you know what you want to know what's funny <laughs> is that I'm not kidding. I never really had a problem finding matches for extraction every once in a while, but it was not as much as you think. And they really, I hope on whatever, whatever mode, whatever game battlefront three we get and whatever, I just hope extraction is there and not strike. Just give me more extraction maps. It's so much fun. I think extraction is a great game mode. So I agree. I would, <sighs> like, I would play it a lot more often if it had more than just the same two maps over and over again. Exactly. Um, uh, but and I kind of wish they had a bigger team that they could like be working on more stuff at this point, because I mean, as much as it's awesome that they're adding, you know, still adding as much content as they are right now, um, you know, like this isn't the top of EA's priority list because the game's a couple years old at this point. Um, and they're still, you know, putting out enough new stuff to still keep it fresh and interesting um, and keep people engaged. But like. Again, you know, they've been working on they've been adding a ton of Clone Wars era stuff because there is a big demand for prequel content and we got the prequel heroes and we got Geonosis and now we got Felucia um, and we got the capital supremacy mode, which uh, is still only on Clone Wars era planets for right now. Um, but now we're going to be getting Rise of Skywalker content. Um, you know, I think that'll be like probably the next big update by the end of the year. And I'm assuming we'll get at least one, you know, new uh, planetary map based on something from that movie. Um, and so being able to add new maps to like, uh, strike or extraction or starfighter assault, which is what I really want. You know, that's just like not top of their priority list and they don't necessarily have the resources to be able to do all that stuff. So they kind of have to prioritize of like what's most important or what's the big new stuff that's coming out or what's the thing that the most number of people want. Um, but still, I mean, again, they could stop updating it and I would still probably keep playing this game for another, you know, couple of years or so. Um, but, you know, I just I love that they keep adding to it and that uh, we just keep getting cool new stuff like this to play. Um, and we all need to get on and play together again. So, uh, yes. we, yeah, we need to, to squat up again and uh, get back to those commandos. Um, oh, yes. Uh, and then one piece of news about, uh, regarding the comics, um, and of course I'll, I'll probably just, you know, make the announcement and then step out of the way for you guys. But, uh, the ongoing star Wars, you know, the, the sort of main star Wars, uh, comic series is finally coming to an end in December. 
um, as well as I believe the Dr. Afra series is ending too. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. So like they're wrapping up some of their longest ongoing ones. Um, and so it seems like it just might be kind of a, a transitioning period where they're getting into some other, uh, going into some other directions, uh, with some of the comics, which is nice for me because, you know, as much as, I mean, I know I don't read a whole lot of them anyways, but, um, I'm excited to maybe start getting into some of these like age of Republic and age of resistance and the, the Kylo Ren comic and like branch out into some other areas because it seems like so much of their stuff has just been original trilogy, original trilogy, original trilogy. Not just the original trilogy uh, between a new hope and the empire strikes back, which, you know, it's about, about time that they wrap it up here. I think this is a smart move um, with, you know, this main star Wars line ending and pretty much all the original books that were initially came out when Marvel took over and this is going to be it and kind of hinting that it's going to be a new direction for the upcoming comics that get announced after the star Wars empire ascended uh, final issue comes out. And, but what I'm excited about that uh, book is that it's being written by Charles soul. So if, I mean, I've been off the main star Wars title for a few months, but I just got back into it with this last arc. I believe it's called rebels and scoundrels. If I remember the title of it but it's been okay it hasn't been great not expecting it to end with a bang but now that we got the announcement of star wars empire ascendant and it's written by uh, charles so um as far as the lead writers also greg pack and a few other writers are going to be involved with it too but as me hopeful that it'll end on a good note and just kind of wrap everything up as far as this time period that they've been playing with for so long now so um but real quickly i just got to say the whole age of series is now is now over age of resistance is done the final issues came out and i gotta say i was excited for the announcement and it was a huge success in my book i love pretty much the whole thing i think my favorite was age of republic followed by age of resistance um age of rebellion you know some solid issues there but i don't think they were as strong as um the other two uh eras but overall i just think it was just a brilliant job by you know all involved with getting the series off the ground just giving us good news stories and insight to characters that we know and love already and exploring new avenues um, with them. And I think overall, for the most part, it was, they did a great job doing that. And I think I probably, because you guys texted me that you read the Snoke issue and I was the last one to read. I just read it last weekend, but you guys read it, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So a spoiler warning here for those who haven't read it yet, but uh, we knew thanks to the previews that the big thing of the issue was that, Snoke was going to take Kylo to Dagobah and he was going to go into the dark side cave. So I knew that going into it. It was a cool sequence, but I was not prepared for what happened at the end. And again, spoiler warning that Kylo destroys the Dagobah force cave. And I was actually pretty shocked. I think that's a pretty significant thing that happens. Uh, yeah. So uh, that, that was a pretty big issue and I loved it. I thought it was great. But the fact that Kylo destroyed the Force Cave, I think that's just another cool element added to his character because that is a significant thing that he does there. So, um, yeah, this is a great issue with some pretty impactful moments. So we'll see if anything happens further on in other comic stories or maybe novels. I don't think it'll be explored in The Rise of Skywalker or anything, but um, I think that's just a cool new avenue to explore further down the line um, based on Ky with Kylo's being the one to do that. And just if it has any impact on the dark side of the force itself. But I just thought that was a pretty big thing that happened there with Kylo destroying that force cave. And I see, 
I think it was bigger to me in a symbolic sense of what it means for Kylo's character more so than what it means for the dark side or for Dagobah or anything like that. Because the reason he destroys it is to hide from Snoke the fact that he didn't kill the vision of Han yeah. and Leia that was in there. So um, I think, I mean, the fact that he blew it up after the fact, I mean, it was, that was kind of crazy, but I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's not like we had gone back there. Um, or like, you know, I expected it to to play a part in the future or anything like that. I think the biggest, just kind of my biggest takeaway was, oh, he, you know, he struck down the vision of Luke, but then Han and Leia showed up and he refused to strike them down. And then he blew up the whole thing to basically hide the evidence from Snoke, you know, to keep Snoke from coming down there and, and seeing what he had done. Um, if he would have even been able to see that, cause I don't know exactly how those visions work, but I assume, you know, it was basically like he was just trying to, to cover that up. So Snoke couldn't come take a look for himself and see what he had done. So, um, I mean, I guess it doesn't really reveal anything that we don't already know from the movies. I mean, he did kill Han, but we know he hesitated to kill Leia. But for me, it was just even further proof that like, there's still something inside him that can maybe still be redeemed. Um, and just showing that spark of the light side that he still struggles with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, oh, I just, just the idea of knowing that, that the dark side force cave is no longer there in the sequel trilogy. I mean, just cause it's such a big moment, not only just an empire, but what we saw in clone wars too, with Yoda mm-hmm. going there, it's just mm-hmm. such a, you know, important piece of the force <laughs> that's been involved in the star Wars saga so far that we've seen. So the fact that it's gone now, it just, yeah, it really uh, took me by surprise. And just, like I said, I felt it's a very uh, important event <laughs> in the saga that maybe not, might not get recognized for a while, but for me anyways, I felt it was a really, really big deal. I haven't read the last issue with Kylo Ren and for the reaction from the internet, it must've been not that big of a deal because no one really talked about it. Unlike the snow comic that you're talking about, Tim, not really. I will say there is a cool Clone Wars Easter egg, a reference involved in that Kylo Ooh. Ren issue. Hmm. Right on. Yeah, I'm going to read it. And I will agree with you that I think the age of series was really solid for the most part. I liked most of it, even the age of rebellion stuff, but I'm with you. I probably like the, actually, no, I, to be honest, even without reading the last issue, I think age of resistance is the best out of all of them. Uh, mainly because I thought it did a great, it's done a great job of giving us an idea of where these characters come from and a little more backstory for the yeah. sequel trilogy. That was really nice to have because we already know what's going on a lot of times with these, uh, the Age of Republic and the Age of Rebellion stuff. We already got a million zillion stories from Legends and now Canon, but with the sequel trilogy, it's been pretty limited. And it was mm-hmm. kind of nice to get some insight for some of these characters. And I thought the one and done stories were pretty fun to read. And even though I was, I didn't necessarily agree with or like the idea that they dest- that Kylo destroyed the cave. I don't dislike it either, if that makes any sense. It's like I didn't, I don't really, I didn't want, to, I don't like, I don't like the fact that he did it. I understand why he did it, but I also don't hate that he did. It. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense at all? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just, it's not what I would have done, but at the same time, it's it's is interesting. And I, I think I, I, I think it, it's great that they got the guts to do it. Yeah. And they got the power to do it. So you got to let the best die. Said, 
God. Um, so, <laughs> and what, what I also think is cool, and I've talked about on the show, is I really do hope they, they go with the idea of the Age of Republic, Age of Resistance, Age of, of Rebellion, for labeling of what era you're going into. And I kind of like that. I think I they think, are because like at D23 yeah. when they had the timeline up showing like where all the Star Wars movies took place and then where all the right. upcoming projects like the Obi-Wan and the Mandalorian and stuff, that timeline was labeled with Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and yeah, Age yeah. of Resistance. That's, yeah, and that's what I'm bringing up. And that's exactly what I, I thought that was really interesting. And I think kind of going forward, that's why you can kind of do it. You can kind of you can you know for for layman fans and again I don't want to say layman fans like they're lame but they're just beginners or they're kind of just entry level fans if you will they can really if they if they don't really care about one era they can focus in their attention on something they can really you know go deep dive into it it kind of gives them a good starting point to be honest of where they can kind of go like oh I need to I want to read all the prequel stuff or all the the Clone Wars stuff oh Age of Republic okay I can read that that's on this and that's on that that's cool that's cool. Great. And I kind of think the labeling idea for the eras of Star Wars is going to be more crucial going forward because I think they're going to go all over the timeline in future films and future TV series. So it, not whether it be in the Rebellion, Republic or Resistance eras, but even further, further beyond or before uh, Republic or beyond after Resistance. We just don't know. So I think there's going to be even more labels coming and i think that's good i think that's a good thing for star wars to do and then seeing them on their major canon thing with the age of republic age Re rebellion and age of resistance that's a really smart move of their of them to really advertise and promote that way so i'm curious if and when that actually starts happening but yeah i think the comics are really good if you are looking for some quick easy to read stories or not even easy to read but more just one and done and nothing super deep and you don't have to get you know super invested in i highly recommend checking out these series and they're not all winners but i'd say for the most part they're pretty solid and i think they're enjoyable reads so if you just don't want to deep dive into a, a series and just kind of want to have some fun reading a couple issues here or there definitely check them out they're really fun yeah i mean you guys know how infrequently i read the comics and yet i've read I think most of the Age of Republic issues, and then I read the Snoke issue from the Age of Resistance. So, um, I mean, I still got some catching up to do to read all of them, but I've really enjoyed all the ones that I've uh, been able to check out so far. And I would agree that I think that is a good starting point for people that are new to Star Wars comics, because then you don't feel like, oh, there's you know this one series that I got to read like 25 issues of, like it's just a whole bunch of one shots, and you get you know a variety of different characters in Star Wars adventures. Yeah, yeah, totally agree and highly recommended. So, yeah, even if the slightest just a bit of curiosity, definitely check those ones out. Yeah. Um, and then just last bit of news, and we've already mentioned this uh, a couple times already, but um, like I said, in the midst of all this other stuff that's coming up, uh, Star Wars Resistance Season 2 is coming uh, just this Sunday. Um, is the premiere called Into the Unknown. Um and I think, I guess this is just, it's a uh, just one episode for the premiere, right? I know sometimes they'll do like two episodes back to back or whatever. Um, yeah, but we'll one. see what happens when the Colossus comes out of hyperspace after, uh, you know, they launched off at the end of last season. Um, they put out a little preview clip for it um, as well as some images. And, uh, you know, I think 
maybe on one of our more recent episodes, we talked about the new trailer that they put out for the new season. So, um, I mean, this definitely isn't like at the top of my excitement list for, you know, among all the other, uh, Star Wars stuff that we've got coming out soon, but I'm excited to check this out and, uh, you know, see where they take these, these characters and this story in its second and final season. Um, and like you said, Paul, I mean, I like this just because I think we can always use more stories set in the sequel trilogy era. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if there's anything in here that ties into episode nine, because now the second season is going to be set kind of around the same time as the last Jedi. And then in the space between last Jedi and, uh, rise of Skywalker. So, um, it'll be cool to just get to see more of that conflict between the resistance and the first order. Of course, we've got, you know, one of the main characters, Tam is on the first order side now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we got some interesting stuff to see how it plays out for this last season. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about for this season so far is seeing Tam in the First Order and just seeing her in the full-blown First Order TIE Fighter suit looks really cool. And I just hope, I mean, this is how I'm expected to go. I think it'd be really cool if they don't go in this direction where, you know, she's in the middle of a fight with the, her old crew and then she eventually turns on the First Order knowing that she's on the wrong side and then helps them defeat whatever First Order fleet um, she's with. But I kind of hope they really have the guts to have her stick with the First Order and not go back to the Colossus crew. But again, it's, I hope uh, so, too, at least for a good chunk of the season. Yeah, me too. I mean, but I just think if they just go all the way with it where she's full blown into the First Order, just really felt betrayed by Yeager and Kaz in season one that she's with the First Order till the end. I think that could be, you know, pretty cool just for her character arc and, you know, not make her a full, full blown bad guy, but just like develop more in season one where she really believed in the first order that they were doing good and just kind of had that be her arc for the rest of the series. But I kind of doubt it. I'm sure she'll go back and uh, with the Colossus crew and then be on the good guy side. But part of me is thinking the way I wasn't expecting her to join the first order throughout the course of the first season until the last few episodes that caught me by surprise. So hopefully uh, when they take her character in this next season will catch me by surprise too. Yeah, resistance. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all you're going to get from Paul. Well, I, I I liked resistance more at the end, but I am excited about the new season. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not ecstatic. I'm just kind of okay. I'm going to check it out. Cool. Yeah. No. And uh, it, I mean, I don't blame yeah. you. Like. It's it's not for everybody. It's definitely not meant for the older fans, although some of us can still enjoy it anyways. But, um, you know, if this is for you, if you enjoy it, awesome. If not, the Mandalorian's coming in a month. So, you know, hold tight. But, yeah, again, for, for those of you that are wanting to check that out, um, it airs, I guess, at 6 p.m. on Disney XD and then again at 10 p.m. on Disney Channel on Sunday, October 6th. And then I'm sure it'll be available like on the Disney Now app and stuff after that. So um, it's actually going to be on the Disney Now app midnight on Sunday. So Saturday night should be up. Oh, hey, there we go. Yeah. Well, I'll just be nice. watching it on there. And it's nice, at least if you are watching on TV, you do have the option to have watched it earlier on Disney XD at 6 p.m. instead of 10, like it was all last yeah, season. Yeah, so which is such a bizarre a time slot. Like, I mean, I get that just because it's Star Wars, it's maybe a little more mature than some of the other stuff on Disney Channel. But still, like, who's letting their kids stay up till 10 o'clock, especially on a Sunday night when they got school the next morning? Uh, You know, I mean, maybe they just figure everybody's watching it on the app nowadays. 
um, and you can kind of just watch it whenever. But yeah, that time slot's kind of confusing. But um, anyway, yeah, like we said, it'll be available on the app all day before that. So uh, be sure to check that out if you're into Star Wars Resistance. Um, but that's going to do it as far as news and, uh, you know, all the updates from Rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian and all that good stuff, um, that we had to talk about on this episode. Uh, but before we wrap up, uh, Tim, what do we got as far as Twitter comments and all that good stuff? Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to a couple of our followers on Twitter, uh, namely Spencer at Spencer Toyson. Hassan Scarborough at Fetmatic and Joshua at Castle Runner. Um, they gave us a nice shout out on National Podcast Day, which was on September 30th, as far as our show being amongst some of their favorite podcasts that they listen to. So, guys, thank you for the shout out, and we appreciate that. We are uh, one of the podcasts that you listen to and enjoy, so that means a lot to us. So, thank you for spreading the word and uh, having us be a part of National Podcast Day. So, that was much appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Thank you to you guys for that. Um, it's always nice just to know that people enjoy listening to us and enjoy what we do. I mean, that's why we're here. Um, we wouldn't be recording it and pushing it out if we just wanted to talk Star Wars. We could do that by ourselves while we're playing Battlefront, but, um, yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> appreciate it. We, we, yeah. we have to do that sometime. We have to do that. Oh, definitely. Um, well, I mean, we do that all the time. Wait, are you talking about just talking while we're playing Battlefront or like recording an episode while we're playing yeah, Battlefront? Recording it. Yeah, recording the episode. Like oh, okay. I think Tim out. and I did that one time, but you weren't. That was for the beta. Like a main part of the crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was for the Battlefront 2 beta. Um, maybe we'll do that again at some point. I think it would have, it would have to be next year when stuff dies down and we want to do something just for fun. Um, cause yeah, with all true. this rise of Skywalker stuff coming out, we got to be focused for that. Well, right, 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 right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, all that to say, um, you know, we just really appreciate whenever we get nice comments like that from you guys or, uh, you know, just letting us know that you, uh, appreciate and enjoy the show, um, just keeps us going and, uh, you know, reminds us that, um, you know, we're here to just entertain you guys with Star Wars stuff and, uh, glad you're here with us. Um, so as always, you can, uh, check us out online at facebook.com slash Star Wars, the saga continues and follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC, uh, check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com and you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Um, and be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack podcast network. We will be back. I'm sure very shortly with a new episode because, um, like I said, I mean, first of all, we might get some more news or like some images from that Empire article or something like that uh, soon here that we might want to talk about. But if not, the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker is sure to be here sometime this month. And also, we've got another commentary episode that we got to do for you guys. So uh, this month's going to be busy. The rest of this year is going to be busy leading up to The Rise of Skywalker. As I said in the beginning, this is where the fun begins. And uh, strap yourselves in because there's a whole lot of Star Wars goodness right around the corner. Uh, that's going to do it for us for now. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. And may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Spin it on, Admiral. <laughs>